For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Yesterday afternoon uh, in the Douglas area, there were many, many sirens. As usual, you wonder, you get out of the way of um, fire brigades and you get out of the way of ambulances to allow them to pass. They were heading to a house fire in Douglas. It's a front pager making the echo this morning. Douglas fire fatality. A man in his 50s dying in a house blaze following that fire. Uh, body removed to the CUH is making the front and inside pages of the Echo today from the back village, little house in the back village. And there's a court report making the Echo today from another uh, Cork suburb. And this is out in Blackpool, where uh, members of the Garda Armed Support Unit had to rush to a residential area out at Orchard Court in Blackpool, following reports of a man pointing uh, what appeared to be a gun at other people. This didn't happen recently. This is a court case that's ongoing and has yesterday been adjourned until the 22nd of May. And these are allegations against a 42-year-old man called Gediminius Stallionis of uh, Orchard Court, Blackpool. Uh, the allegations are that he produced a firearm and threatened others with it. Now, the long and the short of it is a witness provided a recording from his phone to the guardies. So that was talked about and shared in court yesterday. But the individual with the allegations against them um, said that the firearm was a toy gun, but he accepted it looked real. He said he didn't threaten anyone with a replica firearm and only intended to scare individuals uh, by all accounts. So there's a lot more detail in the papers uh, this morning regarding that court case and we'll wait to see what happens when it's back before the courts in May. But just see that story out of Killarney. A bin lorry picks up a man after he falls asleep after a night out in the back of a, a bin and then along comes a KWD, the refuse company, innocently lifts the bin, empties it into the lorry and... Um, This is a reveller, as they call them, who suffered severe injuries, not life-threatening, but severe injuries when he was accidentally tipped into the bin. Um, He fell asleep in the bin following a night socialising. And then, by all accounts, early in the morning, uh, people hear him screaming for help. And the staff then of the KWD truck stopped the vehicle. I guess they've got that emergency button they can bang. Stops the vehicle and stops the machinery because they crush... I mean, they're constantly crushing refuses going in to make space for more and more. So he most definitely would have died. And you got to wonder, I mean, think about that. If the story rolls on, there's a big search for a missing man and then they're going through CCTV and everything like that and a gruesome discovery. So he's lucky to be alive. Donald Trump makes many of the papers this morning. Donald Dock is a headline making the front page of The Sun today. The Mirror says, Trump in the eye of the stormy. Uh, He's now been charged with the hush money payments. In fact, they drill into it in loads of detail. You're looking at uh, facing 34 felony charges of falsely, um, you know, doctoring and doing all sorts of things with business records. And he says it should be thrown out of court. I've got some audio from Trump that I'll pay play a little later on but some of the allegations include uh, that he paid 30 grand to a former Trump Tower doorman who claimed to have a story about a child that Trump had out of wedlock then there's another alleged payment of $150,000 to a playboy model um, that he had a fling with and a third one then there's 34 in total the other one then would be the Stormy Daniels payment of $130,000 as well um, uh, he reimbursed the money uh, with checks and stuff like that it came from a trust fund that was put together for his uh, election campaign at the time um, he was saying or at least the story was that he was paying these kinds of money apparently there's nothing illegal about doing that they say he was going to do these kind of things because he couldn't face another divorce 
with a lead into a you know a presidential election race uh, but his wife actually has not been seen uh, by his side and is keeping a very low profile he's off in Mar-a-Lago down Florida way now uh, so more on that throughout the course uh, of the morning your thoughts on it a welcome text 0868104106 America's in a bad state at the moment isn't it um, and this is these kind of stories are uh, the best that they can dominate the news with. Meanwhile, you know that awful uh, revelation on Friday with regards to all sorts of bullying, intimidation, assault, rape and torture within the uh, defence forces. There's a guard inquiry now into many of those claims of abuse within the uh, defence forces. Uh, they're giving it a name. It's going to be called Predator, the guard inquiry. And it's a front pager making this morning's mail. Mind you... Uh, again, the story that continues to get most column inches has to be the fallout after the eviction ban was lifted. Thousands will lose their homes. I'll talk to Father Peter McVeary in a few minutes' time, but he dominates many of the newspapers because he's actually saying that the eviction ban is the coalition's worst move. I suppose he's making the point that this is the worst move they have made since they went into coalition together. A tsunami of, of misery, he's saying. And actually, Threshold have picked up on it and said that they were telling me this on air about 10 days ago, Threshold. You need to study very carefully your termination notice if, for instance, you've got a notice to quit and an eviction notice because over half of the notices of termination being served on tenants are actually technically invalid and the Echo pick up on that threshold story this morning and rightly so and for those that can buy a home uh, way back in the day certainly in in my day uh, if you were buying a home in the 1980s for instance you were typically kind of late 20s early 30s it was a much easier thing to do back then now though the typical homeowner is 39 years old um, and they say that one third of all homes are now being bought with cash. How come you're thinking if say for instance people are earning you know, 48, 58, 60, 60 grand? Well they say a lot of the money, um, the one third that's been bought with cash is either savings, help from mommy and daddy or an inheritance. Uh, but the average wage now of those that are going for a mortgage uh, is said to be €79,200. One of the more interesting figures is that the typical buyer is 39 now, up from 35 um, 10 or 12 years ago. So people are getting older before they can manage to put it together and actually buy a home for themselves. Fellow would have no problem buying homes nor buying entire countries, if you like, is the billionaire uh, tycoon Rupert Murdoch. He makes many of the papers this morning because the engagement is off between himself, he's 92, and his fiancée that was, uh, Anne Leslie uh, Smith, she was 62, and after two weeks after he gave her one heck of an 11-carat diamond ring, thought to be worth over £2 million, pounds, I suppose maybe $2.5 million, uh, they've called it off. Not quite sure why, uh, they apparently sat down and had a heart-to-heart. One paper is saying is that they share the very same kind of religious, evangelical beliefs. But another paper then is saying this morning, that's the reason behind the split. So make up your own mind. It's like everything. Depends on what newspaper you read. But if you um, were around, and I certainly was, because we covered it back in the pirate days in 1983. I was on a station at the time. I think it was probably ERI. It might have been South Coast, but it was certainly one or the other. When a jet had to land at Mallow Racecourse. That's uh, like 40 years ago. That jet... Right. Unfortunately, the pilot died. Ruben Akana died in 2009. But you might remember it. Um, he was running out of fuel right? and he was in big trouble and he had to land somewhere. And he was lucky back then in 83 that he spotted 
uh, Mallow Racecourse and landed there. He ended up staying there then for weeks and weeks on end. And uh, he was the talk of the town and had a royal old time. I think the examiner this morning uh, says that he stayed, damn it, I can't find the, the actual number, but it could have been anywhere up to 10 or 11 weeks and about six, uh, I mean, certainly it was a couple of months anyway, uh, and stayed in different hotels there and got to love the area so much. But anyway, the up story to this is that uh, this overnight celebrity uh, died in 2009, but they've put together a thing called Okana Fest. Um, and he... Um, featured very strongly because some of the some of his ashes were actually uh, scattered on the race course. But now, apparently, they've managed to find the jet. Sorry, he spent six weeks in Mallow, not 11. My apologies for that. They built a, spe- they built a special runway then to get him to take the plane off again. It was, it was incredible stuff back in the early 80s. But I hope to come back to this story a little later on because apparently the jet is going to return to uh, Mallow as a tourist attraction. And fair play to them, Mexican Jets. So hopefully we'll get to talk to somebody from Mallow a little later on. And talking about socialising, see the bar manager, a guy called Damien Ryan. Uh, this is a Galway story. Um, I didn't even know there was 85 pubs in Galway City. There probably isn't. So he probably drank in 85 boozers right across County Galway to break a Guinness World Record. And it will be officiated because he followed all of the rules. And he had a drink in 85 pubs within... 24 hours. Now, apparently, it didn't have to be, and of course, it couldn't be an alcoholic drink in 24 hours in 85 pubs because he wouldn't be alive to tell the tale. Who could drink 85 drinks in 24 hours? It's clearly impossible, right? Please tell me it's impossible. But each drink had to be witnessed by two people. And he also had to have a receipt and keep all of the the receipts so that it would be official. And he's only gone and done it. And all of the proceeds, apparently, that he's going to make for it will go to the Children's Health Foundation to buy vital funds to support sick kids and their families. (laughs) I don't know how sick he's going to be after his 24-hour binge. And then there is the story of other types of things that you eat but are becoming more and more rare. And that, of course, is mackerel. Um, I don't know if you are aware, but there is a very, very, very serious shortage of mackerel. You used to be able to walk on them. Um, before, particularly around, uh, you know, summertime and into the late summer and into early autumn. And everybody, you could do, down to a pier in Whitegate, you could go down to Yall off the piers, you could go down to East Cork off the piers, and you just literally, with feathers, would be pulling in five, six and ten. They are so rare now that if you see them on a menu, you kind of do a double take. It's all to do with uh, overfishing. And I think it's very, very sad because in the space of a generation, something that was so abundant has now become such a rare treat because of overfishing. And if you think that tea, be- tea breaks at work are a good thing, apparently they're not. I love doing these research because it goes, to, it goes to show how daft some of it can be. Not that I'm actually saying that it's inaccurate, but I just love reading them because they did a simulated office day, apparently, and they took a load of workers and they studied their efficiency. Don't know, maybe they wired them up to machines, I haven't a clue. But the Echo this morning says that a study of a simulated office day with tasks involving attention, concentration, learning and memory showed that healthy men who took a 10-minute break every 50 minutes were more likely to experience mental exhaustion. And of course, the result of this will be the cancellation of tea breaks all over the country and all over the world. Get your head down, work nine to five without a break. Otherwise, you'll be exhausted. And there's a fellow apparently who claims that, or well, could claim that he's got the oldest Easter egg in Ireland. John Gartian apparently has a kitty cottage egg that's 45 years old. Imagine being a child getting an Easter egg way back when and not eating it. 
he must have some willpower. But there it is nonetheless, the Kitty Cottage Easter egg, 48 years old, and he has no intention of ever eating it. I wonder if anybody could beat that with regards to an Easter egg as we head into the Easter season. Anyway, lines open, text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Welcome back to calls and texts with regards to the whole issue regarding housing and evictions uh, throughout the course of the morning. That and lots more besides. But I want to use the time wisely because I've got an opportunity to talk with Father Peter McVerry and I want to use that time wisely. He joins me by phone. Father Peter, good morning. Good morning to you, Neil. Papers, papers this morning uh, quote you uh, about uh, things like a tsunami of misery coming down the tracks. You're quoted as saying that this eviction ban being lifted is the coalition's worst move in the history of this government. Uh, paper note, papers yesterday were talking about eviction notices up 300% in six months. I was reading news stories of uh, 15,000 possible tenancies being ended in 2023 and over 7,000 of those within the next three months. How in the name of God could they not have seen this coming, Peter? I don't know. Uh, to be honest, it baffles me as I say, this is a disastrous decision, and it's disastrous for two things. They are making this decision at a time when there is absolutely no spare capacity within the emergency homeless accommodation. In, uh, homeless families traditionally were put up in hotels. We know the hotels are full, and many of them are averting back to tourism now that the tourist season is coming in. And so I just fail to see where these people who are evicted are going to go. And the second reason I think it's a disaster is that during the five months of the eviction ban, there was no effort made uh, to put in any mitigating policies which might reduce the impact of the ban. When they announced the ban, they announced two mitigating uh, policies. One is that the landlord would have to offer the the property to the local authority in the first place, but that requires legislation. Legislation was going to take weeks or months to pass, and if their intention was, or if the prospect was of ending the ban, why did they not bring in that legislation during the five months and have it ready to go? So I think this is a terrible decision, and it's going to it's already inflicting misery on people who are scared to death of the the, the date they have been given uh, to leave. They have no idea what where they're going to go. Yeah, and in and the space the of the last week, months, there's been 336 valid notices of termination alone across Cork City and County, and that's only in the space of days. Yeah, there's going to be a drip feed of human misery. <laughs> Uh, coming uh, into the media over the next few months. We've already had a couple of examples in the media. A woman who is due to be evicted on the same day that she's in hospital giving birth to her baby. And uh, life whose fear is that he's going to end up dead in a, found dead in a homeless hostel. We're going to hear lots and lots of these stories and it really is, 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 it's going to be heartbreaking. And I was looking at the rest of Europe there, I was following an article in the journal there recently by a housing policy analyst called Lurkin Sir and he was comparing us uh, to other countries in the EU where we, we still have things called no-fault evictions He's saying that these would be alien to most other European countries, that when you're there, you're there for life. um, And there can be no reason, whether selling the property, giving it to a family member, 
that we shouldn't be allowing this to be tolerated. He's quoted as saying it would be unconscionable in most European countries what we allow to happen in law here. Were you aware of that? I'm aware that the situation in most European countries is very, very different from here. And I have great respect for Lorcan, sir. I think he knows an awful lot about this issue. Uh, The situation is totally different. Here we have this noose around our neck that the right to private property is in the Constitution. And you cannot interfere with the right to private property. And this is thrown out yeah. every time you make proposals as to how to deal with the, with the, with the homeless or housing situ- situation. And I've been hearing this for, for decades, the right to private property in the Constitution. So I think we need to get the right to housing into the Constitution, which would at least uh, create a level playing field. And uh, that right to private property cannot be used as a stick to uh, prevent uh, issues being uh, being discussed. Security of tenure. So, w- would you think modular homes is the way to go? I heard this I morning a suggestion strongly. about lifting the ban on log cabins, for instance. Is that where we're at well, now? Well, I believe strongly in modular homes. I've seen them. They're very, very good quality, highest insulation, lifespan of 60 years, which is more than the Ballymun flats were up for. And many flats and, in uh, Cork, incidentally, as well. Yeah, so I am a great supporter of modular units. They can be made very cheaply. They can be put uh, made very quickly uh, and put in place. I am the minister has 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 bought 700 or 750 modular homes. Uh, I'm saying why not buy 7,000? I think they're great. You on a, a daily and a weekly basis since, what, the early 80s have been dealing with homelessness. You do an awful lot more than just that. It would be impossible for you to compare the early 80s with today, I would imagine, um, you know, with, since 1983 when you set up. Yeah, yeah the, the problem has changed uh, over the years. When we set up, the uh, when I opened my first hostel, it was for teenage boys who were living on the streets. Yeah. Uh, now, with the passing of the 1991 Child Care Act, that issue, issue no longer exists. You won't find under-18s sleeping on the street. Uh, they'll be quickly picked up yeah. and, and looked after. Yeah. Then the problem shifted to uh, young adults with a drug problem once the drugs came into uh, into effect. And that continues, of course. But it's only in the last less than 10 years that we have experienced family homelessness. Yes, families used to lose their accommodation, but they would be quickly rehoused. Now we have a huge problem of family homelessness, which is destroying children's lives. Children are being damaged emotionally, psychologically, educationally, and the effects of homelessness, long-term homelessness, particularly on children, has been well documented. And do you believe That's that the private relatively... market won't be the market to um, to sort that out, that it must be local authorities and government building more properties, housing? It has to be. I believe that the private rented market is dead. Nobody is now going to want to go into the private rented market as a, as a, as a lifelong uh, option. Uh, and even those who are currently in the private rented market uh, who have not received an eviction notice, I think many of them must be scared stiff yeah, yeah. as to when a letter is going to come through the door. The only future is the provision of 
local authority council housing. And I support the minister. That's his focus as well. He has reversed his predecessor's emphasis on the private sector. He is committed to providing 9,000 new social houses every year. Uh, so I support uh, the minister's uh, uh, policies, Many, some of the minister's policies, not all of them. But I do support uh, some of those policies. My problem with the minister is his targets are, are too low and the pace of delivery is too slow. But that is the direction we have to go in. But there seems to be a shortage of construction as well, even those in the trades, right? A lot of people contacting yeah. me over the past couple of days saying it's all very well to be talking about building, but who's going to build them? Where are you going to get the trades? They're not there. Well, except that, uh, you know, we have under construction inflation as well, which makes the cost of building uh, more expensive. I accept that there are uh, barriers to the provision of, of, of housing on a, on a large scale. Uh, I'm not qualified to know how to get around that, but uh, yeah. I think the government should be able to, uh, uh, I don't know, employ a builder themselves instead of going to the private sector. The way it used to be uh, years ago, where it was direct labour yeah. employed by corporations, if you like. So, so, so it would be a case of the ban should have stayed in place and the state should build more public housing. Well, I think this was exactly the wrong time to uh, to lift the yeah. ban. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it should have stayed in place maybe for uh, for another 12 months okay. and give the government time to try and uh, uh, put in some mitigating factors in those in those 12 months. Is, is the, the government is, have said the government have said the reason it didn't they want to extend the ban was that it would drive more landlords out of the market. Now, I don't accept that. I think landlords are leaving the market because some of them are losing money on renting. If you're renting a property for 1600 euros a month, you're paying 800 to the revenue. You keep 800, but the mortgage on that property might be 1,200. Yeah, yeah. So you're losing money every yeah. month. Yeah, landlords get vilified a lot that, of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The solution to that is in the tax system to allow landlords to actually make a profit on renting, but the government have refused to do that. But why should there be a special rule for? Why should there be a special rule for landlords to pay little tax on high income when others who go out to work every day and make money have to pay the full rate of tax? Well, landlords pay the full rate of tax. Yeah, but it's a suggestion that that should be dropped, is it? Well, I'm suggesting that taxation me- measures should be uh, uh, should be such that landlords don't actually lose money. Yeah, yeah. By, by renting, you know, the big local big investment firms they rent out thousands of properties in Ireland. They don't pay a penny in tax for renting out those properties. So that's the big uh, that's the big elephant in the room here then, isn't it? The big companies that come in, the pension funds, the vulture funds that come in and buy up entire housing estates sometimes and have staff going around to rental yeah, and purchase yeah. properties. Yeah, and if landlords were to create a company and the company were to rent the uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the apartment or, or house out, the taxation system is totally different and far better. And some landlords have already done that. But do they so hide behind some kind of tax breaks, the big companies then, is it? They do. They do, of course, yeah. They do, of course. 
So, I, I mean, that's perfectly legitimate. So I do think we need to look at the, uh, we do have to make it at least uh, at least minimally profitable for landlords to uh, to rent out property. Okay, okay. Which it, which it isn't for many landlords at the moment if they have a mortgage on the property. Can I just ask you, because I have been told you're drawing a line in the sand in this somewhat fallout between um, Leo Varadkar and yourself and the Minister Dara O'Brien. Uh, I don't know whether you yes. want to pick up on that or you've said all you've had to say on it. The impression I got was Darrell O'Brien was of the same like mind as you to extend the eviction ban, but was overruled by the Taoiseach. Now, he's denied that. Is is, is that yeah. no more to see well, there? Well, let me say, let me, I want to put an end to this because it's a distraction from the real issue. The real issue is where do people go when they're evicted? The phrase I was given was that the Taoiseach had overridden the minister. Uh, in light of the Taoiseach's denial, which I accept as true, I believe that that phrase was unfortunate and inaccurate, suggesting as it does a conflict or dispute between the Taoiseach and the minister. So whatever the circumstances leading up to the decision to end the ban, which are now irrelevant as the decision has been made, I accept that the minister, along with the rest of the cabinet and the Taoiseach, made the decision together to end the ban. So let's put this, this is a distraction. Governments love distractions. Oh, no, but are, are, you, are you saying now this morning that what you said was inaccurate then, is it? I'm saying the phrase that I was given that the Taoiseach had overridden the minister uh, was inaccurate and unfortunate given the Taoiseach's denial uh, that he had done that. Okay, so is that, a, is that a clarification Taoiseach. or an apology? It's a, it's a, it's a clarification Apology, if I uh, yes. Okay, lines breaking up. You're, you're saying you're saying it was both a clarification and an apology. Okay, and an apology to the T shock. Yes. Okay, appreciate that. Before I, before I do let you go, and I won't keep you much longer. One of the other big things that you've been doing since the eighties is dealing with people who have problems with drugs. Heroin has become a serious scourge now. Many people talk of a lack of recovery and rehab facilities. It's only getting worse, this plague. And it seems to many, you come to the streets of Cork and you can see them on our streets. They're like the walking dead. Will this ever, ever be, will will we ever get a grip on it or has it a grip on us? It has a grip on us. The policies we're pursuing to address the drug issue have failed. We have been pursuing them for the last 40 years and the drug problem continues to get worse and worse and worse. Heroin in Dublin is on the way out and it will be soon in Cork and other cities on the way out. It's being replaced by crack cocaine. Crack cocaine is much, much worse than heroin. (laughs) Uh, So the problem continues to get worse. The policies we have uh, adopted are uh, have not made have made haven't made any difference. Haven't made any improvement. What one policy would improve things then, Peter? We cannot control the supply of drugs because this is a very open country. It's very easy to bring drugs into the country. But we can control to some extent the demand for drugs. We need every drug user I have ever worked with comes to a point where they want to give up drugs. And when they want to give up drugs, they find there's no treatment available to them or they go on a long waiting list. The one thing that would make a difference is a big expansion of drug treatment services. 
and also a big expansion within the prison system of drug treatment services because 70 to 80% of those who go into our prisons have an addiction. Is it, is it, and okay. there is virtually no treatment in the prison system for those okay. uh, for yeah. those with, who are addicted. Okay, so you cover the aspect of treatment and just before I do let you go, what about trying to get to young people before they start dabbling and move on to very serious uh, narcotics, um, you know, at a young, young age? Uh, I don't know. The, the, the arguments around that are, are mixed. Uh, some feel that by emphasizing the dangers of drugs, you're only, uh, you're only encouraging young people to experiment. Certainly for those who are addicted, the vast majority of people that we come across are addicted. They're using drugs to cope with childhood traumas that have never been addressed. Mm -hmm. They've never received counseling for them. They're self-medicating to escape from the memories of of abuse or violence uh, as children uh, and using them to escape from the painful feelings that are associated with those memories. So I... Not sure that uh, young people will experiment. We all did it. You did it. I did it when we were growing up. But it was alcohol. That was the worst thing we could do. Now the young people will experiment. The vast majority of those who experiment will give it up and pass through unscathed. But like alcohol, 5% of those who experiment will go on to become addicted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So you would say catch them when they fall. Uh, we need to provide uh, early childhood intervention as quickly as possible to uh, to to uh, to address the traumas that uh, children are experiencing. Uh, problem with that is that the 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 financial uh, benefits of that won't be seen for fifteen or twenty years, mm-hmm. and governments aren't interested in what's going to happen in fifteen or twenty years because they won't be around. But we need to invest in early childhood intervention, and we need to ensure, as Bernardo's. Uh, motto says we need to ensure that Ireland is the best country in the world for a child to grow up in. Nice one. Well said, as always. Thanks for taking the call, Peter. Do appreciate it. That's um, Father Peter McVerry from the Peter McVerry Trust. Your calls are welcome on that. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Don't know if you heard yesterday's programme, um, and I don't know if uh, Peter McVerry is, is still listening, but he did uh, talk about um, all sorts of different case, case stories that will be heard. I think his quote was, a drip feed of heart-wrenching stories in the coming weeks. Uh, one of those, of course, yesterday was a conversation uh, that I, I had on air uh, with Neil O'Connor herself and her partner and five children uh, to be evicted from their home in Carrick Tool. Now, this is just a, a short clip of it, which you had to which you actually had to say yesterday uh, on the air, and I'll play you that after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106, Red FM. It says a drip feed of heart-wrenching stories. Uh, this is just a tiny little clip of what Neil O'Connor had to say yesterday. I don't want to leave her. I moved here 11 years ago to start my life. And people running this country are dictating to me to tell me where I should live, how I should live, mm. how much money I should live that life with, mm. what type of house I should live in, and how I should raise my children. Something's going to have to give. Yeah, it's very strong yesterday, and she was talking about wanting to stay in the greater East Cork area, ideally where her children are going to school in Carrick Tool, but was told at one stage, 
go to a Garda station uh, and also told that we may be able to house you somewhere, but it could be anywhere in the country. Could be Mayo, could be Donegal, could be in the Midlands, could be anywhere. And with young children, of course, that is far from ideal. Another story like that is the story of Maria Brady. Maria, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking the call. I think you were actually due. You went along to the council meeting on Monday night. Uh, the idea was that you'd have an opportunity to tell your story. Of course, that was that was aborted and none of that was allowed. Was that the case? Was that the reason you went along? Yeah, I was, Neil. Yeah. Um, it was actually, I actually couldn't believe what was happening before my eyes. Um, it was over within minutes. Yeah, it was shut down. They, they had this vote yeah. and the major party said, no, we don't want to listen. We're not going to talk about it. This is not the place for it. And of course, of course it is because it affects Cork families like yours. So tell us your story here now. Um, so back in October, my landlord um, sent me my notice to quit. Um, it is valid. I've had a check with threshold. I have nowhere to go. Any house I've applied for, um, I've heard nothing back. And can I ask you, what does the landlord wish to do with the home that you've been living in? He's selling it. Okay. It's sale agreed at the moment. Right. Um, so it's sold with you in it? Yeah. Right. Did you have people visiting the house then to look at it and view it? Um, so they only had um, one um, viewing and they took the offer immediately. Right. And did you any now idea they who... Did, yeah. They, they did um, send forms off to the council for them to buy the house um, but they heard nothing back and obviously these people wanted to buy the house so they just took their first offer. So another example of uh, an owner of a property who wanted to get out of the letting game approaching the council to buy it and yeah. hearing nothing back? Nothing back. Okay. And if that had happened you would have been able to stay? Um, I'm not too sure about that Neil. Okay. Okay, but there was a good chance you would have been allowed to yeah, stay. There would have been, yeah. Yeah, were, were, like were you? Did you have a HAP contribution? Um, no, I'm on rent supplement. But then you would have been one of those that would have been chosen to stay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And um, how long did you live? Are you living in that home? I'll be here three years in May. Right. And have you been looking since October to find somewhere? Oh my God! Morning, noon, and night. Like. On the online constantly I'm up like last night I was up till 4 o'clock this morning looking every person I meet because normally it would be like word of mouth that you'd get a house um, anybody that's leaving a rented accommodation I'm asking them to put a word in with their landlord I've heard not one thing back and if you were up till 4 this morning my apologies for yeah, no, this early morning call but if you're up till 4 this morning did you see anywhere uh, last night? nowhere they're all 2,200. 2,200. And the 2,200, is that city, suburbs, towns, villages going right out? Everywhere. Mother of God. Two th- for, yeah. That would be like a, a three-bedroom semi or something, is it? Yeah, but like I'll even take a, a one-bed. Okay, okay. Like I'm not, I'm not fussy. But that must be way ahead of the rent you're paying at the moment, is it? Well, I'm paying 1,240. So where would you find another grand? I wouldn't be able to find another grand. And where, where's, the, where's the home that you're in now? What part of Cork? It's in Balavalan. Right. So literally, you have nowhere to go then, apart oh, from nowhere. declaring yourself homeless? Yeah. Okay. And how many in the family? Just me and my daughter. Okay, she's only four, so she'd be 
Yeah. Starting primary school kind of thing. Yeah, she's in um, preschool at the moment. Okay. And is she clued in at all, even at the so, age of... Yeah, so um, all along I've been kind of dumping stuff, but like it's really near now I'm out um, on the 15th, so there's boxes everywhere, and she kept asking, so I did sit her down and tell her, um, and she is very upset. Do you mind me asking how you said it to her and how she responded? Um, so she kept asking, like, why are all the boxes, why are all her stuff in boxes, Mom? So I just sat her down and told her, look, the house is broken. Now, there is an issue with the roof, and she knows that there's an issue with the roof because it's falling down at the side, and I won't leave her up the side of the house. Um, the roof is so falling said, down. Oh, yeah, it's, it's I said, it's, da- it's dangerous. And I said, we need to find somewhere else to live. And, like, what's upsetting her is she keeps asking me, where's our new home? And I can't tell her where. It's an awful tough conversation to have with a child. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 heartbreaking, Neil. But surely you must have family that can help Maria. Hopefully, no. They're they're full. My mom is already overcrowded. So what will you do? Have you been I ringing the placement service? Yeah. So I've been in home three times. And they told me um, last week that they don't, they won't deal with me till the fifteenth. And they told me that on Friday. Um, but then yesterday I got a call off them, so I'm meeting um, city council today. I have to. Right, right. What do you um, think will happen today? I don't know. They gave me no information. They told me to bring my, I could bring my daughter with me, and I said, look, I prefer not to bring her because um, she's listening to too much already. Why did they want you to bring your daughter, did they say? I don't know. They didn't say. They said, that's fine, just bring her ID with me. Yeah, they said they want proof. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Proof that you have a daughter kind of thing. Yeah. yeah proof yeah. that you have a child, yeah. But they normally won't deal with anybody until you actually have handed the keys back, and that's the 15th. Yeah. 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 So, like, it's just, it's just clarity I need for her so I can prepare her, really, like... But what if they say to you that the best that they can offer is Idel House, no disrespect, or a hotel bedroom or a guest house. It's better than sleeping in our car or a guard station, Neil. Have you contemplated both of those options? Oh, 100%. I've had to. I've been left with no other option. Yes, but neither a car nor a guard station cell is a fit place for a mother and no. child. No. That's, not the, that's not the intention whatever of why we me. have cells. Yeah, that's and whatever about myself, if I was on my own, whatever about me, but it's her I'm concerned about. She's my number one priority and has been the whole way through this. You must be very bitter, angry, let down. To be honest, Neil, like one morning I wake up, I'm angry. The next day I can't stop crying. Like it's just it's a, whirlwind, a whirlwind of emotions. First, when I got my notice, I was like, OK, I'll find somewhere. And as the months passed, I realised what situation I was in. Yeah. It wasn't until Christmas time it really hit me. Yeah, yeah. Sure, Christmas must have been a write-off. Any, any, oh, there'd be, yeah. there'd, be, you know, there'd be no happy occasions in a life like this. No, like it's Easter now on Sunday. Like we should be doing like loads of things like Easter egg hunts. We're doing nothing but packing a house. All your belongings. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck will happen with those if you end up in a guest house bedroom or a B&B? I have had offers of um, people putting, because everything in this house is my own. This house was completely unfurnished when I moved in. 
So people have been very generous and offered me a um, place to store my furniture. Storage. Thanks be yeah. to God. Yeah. 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 I hope that something positive happens this afternoon. Me too. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you, you, you don't want to be living in this nightmare. There, you, there's no consolation. Yeah, you're, you're, There's no consolation in the sense that you're not alone. That's not going to come as a consolation. We were talking yeah. yesterday with Neve and she has like five small children. One of them is only four months, four months old. Uh, yeah, the amount of people that I know personally that are in the exact same situation as me is scary. And yet there's so many vacant properties and uh, empty corporations and city council there's buildings. There's one right next door to me. Is there really? I'm number 15 and number 14 is free the last year and a half. It's in turnkey condition. That woman left the house in turnkey. I've been inside in the house. And it sat there perfect for a year and a half? Sat there perfect. Is that a council house? It's a council house, yeah. Marie, you got, Maria, you got to tell them that you want that house. They, I've told them. It's a three-bedroom house and they won't consider me because I've only one child. I see. I know, I know, I know. But, like, there's obviously other families in the situation that are ideal for the house. Well, that's very kind of you to say that on behalf of other people, but a year and a half is about 75 weeks vacant, just sitting there. It shouldn't be 75 days. And like that lady kept her property in Machlish. If you you actually drove up now and you've seen the garden, you'll be like, oh my God. And it's from neglect of the weeding not being done. Like there's no rubbish there because I'm actually in a lovely estate. That's heartbreaking. I mean, I'd be so, so, I get so like angry when I hear up. stories like that. I'm going to be heartbroken walking away on the on the on Saturday and looking at that empty. It must really get you down, though. It must yeah. really and truly be dragging you into the gutter. It would like everyday problems now seem like nothing because this is eating my whole world up. I know. I know. Listen, fingers crossed. Hopefully, people will light a few candles for you today. That maybe this afternoon there might be some good news. Maybe not next door because they they should be ashamed of themselves to have a house empty for a year and a half. They should yeah. be. Might be too it's big for you, but it's still shameful. But listen, hopefully today will be uh, will be good news. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Any chance you come back to me later on? Let me know how you get on. I will, of course, me. Maria, thanks for taking the call. Thanks so much. Talk again soon. Cheers. Bye. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. The Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. Uh, yeah, everybody coming up with uh, different headlines for the Red Tops. I was telling you the various ones that are making the papers this morning for Donald Trump. But, uh, as usual, it's uh, a listener to this program that comes up with the best one so far. Storm in a D-cup. I don't know whether a Red Top has used that one yet. Storm in a D-cup. This is what um, the president, ex-president, possibly uh, the next president, uh, had to say yesterday. Eventually we got back to, uh, to Mar-a-Lago. never thought anything like this could happen in America. Never thought it could happen. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. So here we are now. It's where we were today in a city that was so great just four or five years ago. 
But now we're there. Spent time there today, as you possibly read. <laughs> with a local failed district attorney charging a former president of the United States for the first time in history on a basis that every single pundit and legal analyst said, there is no case. There's no case. They kept saying, there's no case. <laughs> Virtually everyone. But it's far worse than that because he knew there was no case. That's why last week he delayed for a month and then immediately took that back and threw this ridiculous indictment together. Came out today, everybody said, this is not really an indictment, there's nothing here. My lawyers came to me and they said, there's nothing here, they're not even saying what you did. And this is where we are right now. I have a Trump-hating judge with a Trump-hating wife and family whose daughter worked for Kamala Harris and now receives money from the Biden-Harris campaign and a lot of it. That's just an edited highlight of some of the clips from Mar-a-Lago last night. What really strikes me as incredible is the things that you were allowed to say in America and get away with saying in America, things that Trump would say about the judge or the judge's daughter or wife or things like that. Never mind what he says about opponents. You just would not be able to say that in a country like Ireland because our defamation and our libel laws are our slander laws. And, and I suppose... Some might say that they're for the right reasons, but they do take seriously uh, freedom of speech in America. Probably didn't get an opportunity to see that on uh, Monday night at the council meeting. I was chatting yesterday morning with the Mick Finn. They want to, did, wanted to debate uh, and hear some case histories on Monday night of people who are in the teeth of eviction. And I've been sharing stories with you yesterday and indeed again today of families with young children uh, whose clocks are ticking and have nowhere to go. Uh, while at the same time we hear of uh, council properties again this morning. We heard it there just a few minutes ago from Maria. She is being evicted from a home and the one next to it has been sitting there. Uh, it was in perfect condition um, a year and a half ago when the last tenant moved out. It's a county council house and it sat there. Sorry, it's a city council house, I should say, in Ballyvalan, a city council house. It sat there for one and a half years. And of course, yesterday, Elio Byrne was talking about social housing units out in Paula Duff that have been sitting there. They did all of the photographs for it, don't get me wrong, and cut the ribbons on this fabulous new uh, Cork City Council uh, funded um, apartment block, 11 apartments there. Uh, but ever since then, and this would be um, nine months later, it just sits there vacant, nobody living in it. Others then, of course, who wanted to get out as landlords, I've been hearing this story often, uh, wanted to sell the property to the council so that the tenant could stay in place. They filled in all of the paperwork, sent it all off and never heard another word, not even an acknowledgement of their application or their request or their query to sell it to the council. So, uh, who's sitting on whose hands? Um, I didn't get an opportunity yesterday to get the other side of the House's opinion on this uh, because we just ran out of time, but I'm joined now this morning by Councillor Terry Shannon from Fianna Fáil. Uh, morning, Terry. Uh, Neil, how are you? Good. I have no idea how you're going to defend anything that I've just said because it is all totally factual, in spite of the fact that you say that Mick Finn was talking through his backside yesterday. Did you actually well, say that? Not, or is, 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 is that a mystery? It's not factual, Neil, actually. It's Okay, so 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 the so the so, woman who's no, so the woman people are so, spinning, and I mean, if we want to, if you're telling me that I should get in step with the Sinn Fein circus, that's nonsense, like quite honestly, and it's it's a falsehood. And and while Sinn Fein were down on the steps of 
City Hall getting their photograph taken with their posters. I was up at a finance meeting chaired by Sean Martin where we are recommending and did recommend last Monday, uh, Monday night to City Council that 26 affordable houses would now be disposed of and that land would be, would be disposed of for 200 apartments. Now there was no Sinn Féin representative at that meeting because they were downstairs at their circus, right? And that's, that's what this is about. Sinn Féin see housing as, a, as, as something to exploit. We see housing as something to resolve. So I'm not running in step with Sinn Féin and, and, and I, I have no apologies to make whatsoever. You, but you, be, you, you describe their behaviour as you, behave, you describe their behaviour as grandstanding and nothing short of a circus. A circus and shower of clowns, you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. That the Sinn Féin councillors and Cork City Council are a shower of clowns, you're not saying. Absolutely, yeah, Neil, because they're trying to exploit what are dreadful human issues for political purposes. And when we're inside in City Hall making decisions about housing, they're nowhere to be seen. They're down on the steps of City Hall roaring and shouting. And they're delighted with themselves because they got what they, what they wanted from the Evening Echo yesterday. A front page and then a picture of two TDs and their four councillors with their posters all printed out, ready to go. So this was all a circus. This was all... And look, Sinn Féin... It can't be a circus down. if it's true. Hold on a moment now, if you might let me finish because you're, you didn't interrupt me. I heard you listening. To, I was in the car yesterday listening to it. The, the fact of the matter is Sinn Féin have put down these motions in nearly every local authority around the country. So this has all been orchestrated. Now, the only place where they're not putting it down was, for instance, in Belfast City Council, where they, along with the DUP, vote against a 10% rent reduction Terry, I couldn't give a rat's ass I know you couldn't, Belfast. but I mean the people might want to I'm hear not interested what's going on because well, I'm well you see in Lee, they're telling here. you one story, yes and they're doing the direct opposite elsewhere where they're in power, and that's the point I'm making, that's why it's a circus Now half the Sinn Féin Council had to leave that meeting because they're either landlords or have interest in Airbnbs, so the point I'm making this is pure politics from their point of view. They're saying one thing down here and they're objecting to housing uh, applications and housing developments around the country and they're doing a different thing where they're in power, where there's 40,000 people on the housing list up in the north. But they st- so this is the circus that we're talking but about. The only so people I'm interested in solving a problem no, no, no. and I dealt with today because Wednesday morning is CBL day as I call it. I have already been speaking with many people who are bidding for houses on CBL. I've had two conversations with people who have uh, uh, eviction notices this morning. I'm getting involved in this project, in, in this issue practically because I'm going to City Hall today. I, I'm having a meeting with the Director of Housing and our Deputy Chief Executive to resolve some issues that people have with eviction notices. Right? That's what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, I'm that, interested that, in where, grandstanding where the, in City Hall yeah. where, where Sinn Féin have told, and you've repeated, and others have repeated, that we're shutting down a debate. There was two motions before City Council in February about the eviction orders. There was another motion before City Council in March. The party that you represent and the mantle that you are under, the flag that you're under, is the Fianna Fáil flag, right? And that is the flag that decided to lift the eviction notice and is now sending Niamh and Maria in this afternoon. Niamh with a four-month-old child 
into City Hall to see if she's going to be an Edel house, a guest house, a hotel room or a Garda cell. That's your well, political parties. No, no, Neil, Making. it's not my political party. We've been in government for two years and we've built 33,000 houses around the, the country so far in the two and a half years. Now, Sinn Féin have said that it'll take them 10 years to put through their policies. Yet, after two years, they're berating us. The fact of the matter is, 60 for, 64 households have been prevented from entering homeless services already. And these are people who, who uh, were in with City Hall Where before the eviction Where are they being put? Where are they right? being put? Where are they we going? have purchased three houses, right? We have 25 already, and these are now just the people from the 1st of, of April. There are 25 houses being uh, in the process of being act, uh, uh, acquired by City Council, and 34 households where with City Council, so, uh, uh, we've sourced alternative accommodation through social housing are, are happy. Okay. We'll be meeting with, the con- with those now who are from the 15th of April, who have eviction notices from there, and we'll be doing similar, right? We have people now who are full-time. We have, a, we have a team established in City Hall who are full-time at this on the weekend, so anybody who rings will get a reply. Uh, and I'm dealing with people as well, as are indeed our other councillors. I mean, I, I, this isn't something... Where are they going? They where, 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 what accommodation are they being offered? Oh, well, we're buying houses. I mean, I have three houses at the moment that we're purchasing for people. And who, that are, I'm they, aware of. are they, are they private uh, houses you're people, buying? Are they private oh, houses yeah, you're buying? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you're, so yeah. you're eating into the available stock from of the, to the available mean, stock I mean, of the you private have a, You have a crib for everything, like, I mean, you're, you're cribbing that we're not doing people, looking after people in rent. And then when we're buying the houses, you're cribbing Build your own, that we're not Terry. Pe- Build your own houses, no. like you used to do, years ago. But, you know, that's what we're doing. But you're not we doing have, enough. We have, we Sure. Neil, the, ones, the ones that you have. That's, that, that's Neil's that's that's uh, story. Let me, tell you, you, let me tell you Maria's story. Maria's got a four-month-old child, right? She is being evicted from a home on the 15th of April in Ballyvalan. The house next to it is a city council house. It's been vacant for one and, and a half years. And she's down in City Hall this years. afternoon at half two meeting with officials. Why is the house next door to her? Well, sure, I don't know, Neil. I mean, you know, why, I, I have no idea. But I know that we have voids and we've received uh, uh, money from the government this year. There'll be 400 voids, 400 vacant houses put back in and will be occupied this year. 400. Right, and I, I hear that. But I hear that minister. every year. I hear that every year. No, you didn't hear No, no, no. I've been no, hearing it. Hear I have no, been hearing it hear. since Christ came down off the cross. No, but yet well, we still I, have. I don't know where. We still have. Actually, no matter what I say to you, you've, 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 what if? The fact is, it's not a what if. It's you, a fact. You, you, Seventy-five yeah. weeks it takes to turn around a house. And that now has been resolved because we know of outside contractors coming in and dealing with all these issues. And I mean, other people have you been on the radio? I've been on your show talking about taking out kitchens and fireplaces. That doesn't happen anymore. So you have all these social myths that go on, right, and right. that are perpetrated that happened before, it's that are not happening anymore. Okay. And Sinn Féin nor, nor anyone else has cornered the market in terms of concern for people who are in either on our social housing list or are now in, 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 the, in the teeth of an eviction notice. We're all, all 31 members are dealing with that. Some better than others. I'm not out in the City Hall steps protesting. I'm inside in City Hall dealing with the issues. And that's what we're going to do. Is and I've had the... a discussion with the Minister. Funding is available both for staff and indeed for voids and for purchasing houses. So long before the eviction ban was lifted, Neil... By your I'm party, by your families. political party. That's right. Yeah. And there's no party deal against lifting the ban. It's just a timing issue. Yeah. Remember now, Sinn Féin wanted to lift it Christmas week. 
Right, so let's, let's get let's call a spade a spade. No, so you know the kids and their Christmas tree and their Christmas presents would be going out the door. Yeah, but it will be next. Yeah, but it will be next. No, no, it will be next year. Christmas. Yeah, it will be it's Christmas. Coming Christmas yeah, the, yeah well, this is. April. And is that a good time, Neil? Well, it's eight months later than you guys. Is that a good time, Christmas week? Would that be a good time for kids and their mothers to be leaving the house? It would no. be. So well, Sinn Fein and, and the Labour Party start ticking and on others. the thirty-first. Is it? Is it, well, is it also? Is it also a myth that you have seven? T- you have a, that nine months after it was ribbon cut by City Council. There's eleven apartments in Mandeville Place in Pollardoff Road just sitting there. God well, knows what will happen next. Somebody, somebody would torch them. Yeah, you see, if the media kind of would, would talk to people who actually know something about this matter, you know, I saw that. Oh, well, forgive me, but well. forgive me if there no, are people walking. Question, forgive me if there are people and walking Paul in Bonner and out. asked the question, we'd have answered it as well. Oh, the fact of the matter is, look, those houses on Mendeville, like the, the downsizing scheme over in Springville House on the Black Rock Road, they are downsizing, right-sizing uh, apartments for people who are over 60 who want to downsize from their private home or who want to uh, give up a tenancy in a city council house and move in, right? Yeah. Now, the issue there is, and I was over in Springville House in Black Rock last Thursday at an open day where I met many, many people who were in private housing or in social housing who were interested in moving, but they want to see the uh, the apartments. They're moving. These are life-changing uh, decisions, right? So they want to see what's, what they're moving into. They want to have a look around. And so... These apartments, <laughs> by their nature, take longer. And you can laugh and snigger all you like, but that's a fact. It's nine months later. And then you have to get into conveyancing I mean, of a private months, house, Neil. It's nine months later. Not nine still, months. Not still... nine months. They were finished at the end of last year. But And we have Springville House as well, Neil. And these are, we have more downsizing out in, out in, uh, out in Bishopstown. We're building, we have four downsizing schemes underway. We have 1,500 right. Is there social anything? houses underway. We have four affordable houses housing schemes underway. Is there anything so at all that you could do better there? that there's nothing happening, Neil, is nonsense. And remember, we're in government two and a half years. Fianna Fáil took on the housing portfolio and building has started. There was no building until Fianna Fáil came back into government. Remember that, Neil. And two and a half years later, we have an amount going on. I've housed, or helped house, 10 families in the last number of months in City Council, in my own ward. How, we have a massive how amount can you, of people How can you do that? Is it that they're, so are they on, I'm de- Neil, I'm on. dealing with housing every day of the week. Every day of the week I'm dealing with housing. I need no lecture from you or anybody else in the media about, <laughs> you know, the, the, the issues about housing and the concerns that people why have. Do you, why do you think I'm lecturing you when I'm trying have. to ask you a question? I'm not trying to lecture you. You are... You, you are. are you're, you're, every time I give you an answer, you have a ah, but what? Ah, but what? Ah, no, it's, but not what? A, it's not an ah, but what? I mean, it just happens to be you're part of the council within Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael who are in government and in power, right? So therefore, you have a responsibility. I mean, in, in fairness, here's a question for you. Is there anything at all that you could be doing better then if you're doing so much right? Oh, absolutely, Neil. I mean, there's no question about that. Of course there is. Like what? And there's no one more critical than me in terms of, well, we, uh, whatever money we're getting, we want more money. I mean, the targets we've been given, I believe, are too low. Our issue is capacity. Our issue is capacity. I mean, if there was a magic wand to resolve all this, do you not think we'd have, we'd have waved it long ago? We have an issue with capacity in terms of trying to build uh, uh, housing, and as you know, and I heard Father McVeigh on your on your program earlier on about modular housing. There is, uh, how would I say, there is a place for modular housing, but there's nobody on my housing list is interested in modular housing. 
So, like, there's going to have to be a conversation there for people because. Oh, oh you think they would, they would prefer, they would prefer to be. You know, are they the Ford boxes? No, they're not Ford boxes. No, no, but that's the point. But that's so can, we need a but, conversation but with that's, people because that could, they're be, not that could be insulting to people who are literally out on their ear in a week's time. You know, well, that, they, that they're I not interested in a modular home. Yeah. You see, the cons- people have said it to me because in conversation about the modular homes that are coming into Mahan for the Ukrainian uh, refugees, people have said to me, well, I wouldn't be interested in one of those. But I've said to them, we'll go down when they're finished and have a look. There is a conversation to be had. But anyone that comes to my clinic has said to me, I'm not interested in a wooden house. They want, because they know once they're allocated a house, you know, that's where they're going to be. And they want bricks and mortar. Now, I'm not saying they're not, they're not uh, uh, useful, but I think there's a conversation to be had, right? Uh, it may be the way to go, but a lot of people aren't convinced. So, you know, there's, there's many different, uh, uh, I suppose, issues in terms of housing and many bows are strings to our bow, right? But of course we can get things done better. And that's why I'm in City Hall every second day. I'm former chairman of the Housing Committee. But so what can you do? Either you're on the list. Either you're on the list and you have a place on the list and you must wait your turn. Like, it, well, no, it depends on what you're bidding on. Because even someone who might be 11 years on the list, if they don't bid in a, on a house and, a, and someone who's six, year on the, six years on the list bids, well, the person who's six years might get it. You know, and there are some people then who are bidding who are 11, 12, 13, 14 years on the list. And all they're doing is bidding on par fives. And there's a lot of people What's doing that. What's that? So par five? They're, they're, they'd be houses that are in private estates. You know, the, the, the certain number but of those houses. Day, but those days aside. are gone, surely. People are desperate no, 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 enough now with their there. children to go and live anywhere. No, no, Neil, I'd be... <laughs> no, no, Neil. Some people now are very choosy. But how can they be choosy if in the coming well, weeks Neil, they have I no... tell you now, and I'm sure some other councils might agree with me, but some might, for political reasons, won't say it. But, you know, there are still people uh, that I deal with and others who, well, no, not that one, but maybe this one, right? So there is, there is, uh, there is that, right? Uh, still, right? And, and that's a fact. Here's so, one, here's one you know, of the issues that people... And look, Neil, I'm dealing with it every day of the week. So, you know, let, let's be clear. If City Council could, and the government could, could wave a magic wand, we'd have this resolved long ago. But, but, but landlords have... have, have landlord, landlord, years. Landlords have offered their homes to City Council for sale. They've heard nothing back. One of the big... Well, any landlord, no, Neil, let's listen to this programme. Let me say it this way, right? Any landlord that has, listening to us now, who have contacted City Council and heard nothing, give them my number. Give them my number and we'll contact them today because I'm, in de- I'm dealing with any number of landlords who are interested in selling the house. Now, we, we're not going to buy why are, why a house for a million euro, Neil, or half a million euro. So we've got well, to be cognizant of where we're... Well, you actually, you actually did do that. Right? You bought a couple of Nanskahard Road with change out of a million, but that's for another day. Uh, what, why is it then that City Council don't respond... Um, and that's one I of the, have no idea why well, that it's a criticism that the phones, it it's a criticism that the what, I spoke with the director of housing this morning and uh, he said to me well I'm, I'm not aware of that phones don't so get answered mailboxes let's, are let's full get, let's, let's, well let's put it out there now Neil let's put it out there now this morning let any landlord who has been contacted or who is interested in selling a house to, to city council and have not received any reply back right Give them my number and we'll see who will come back to me. Okay, happy to do that. And I'll that. resolve it. Okay. I'll resolve and, it. Because and and that's, w- that's what I'm about, Neil. I'm not about grandstanding on the steps of City well, Hall and putting down silly motions just to get a bit of byline on the paper. I'm about getting involved in From the bunch that's of clowns and Sinn Féin, as you call them. But you see, uh, yeah, what, what, yeah, what well, some people... It was a circus, Neil. What, what some people what might prefer... And what more can I just say to you, Neil? 
you know, there was this talk, and you said yesterday about stifling debate. You know, we had a very, very inclusive housing committee meeting last week, which was what the council decided to do in relation to the ban lifting, right? It was very revealing in terms of the stats, and I think you got some of them yesterday from the Echo, right? Yeah. But we're having a council meeting next Tuesday. Now, the public can come in, and they can come in physically, and they can come in online, where that debate at the housing meeting will be aired. There'll be a full discussion on the eviction ban next Tuesday in council. Okay. So this, this, this meeting that Sinn Féin wanted last, last Tuesday is only a circus, and they knew that. But you see, look, can I just, can I just finish wanted, on that it point? It wasn't about a meeting, Neil. It yeah. was about the press and about the old byline, and they're doing it around the country, except, of course, where they have power to do something, okay. to make a change, and they're not doing it. But why? But just look, finally, we'll have a full discussion on Tuesday on this. Can full I just discussion. ask you, just And finally, maybe you might come in yourself, Neil. Be, before before Will you come I finish, in yourself? to what? Will you come into the council meeting yourself and have a look at the debate? I will come in, yeah. Will I be able to get yeah. in? Oh, listen, I'll get you in, Neil. Right. Don't you worry. Okay. The public are allowed in, Neil. It's a public meeting. Okay. It is open every Monday night. No, it wasn't for COVID. But for 90 years, you could walk in the doors of City Hall at a council meeting, sit up in the gallery and listen. You can't take part because you have to be elected member, but you can listen to the debate. And I've, 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 I remember when I was Lord Mayor, I invited you and you didn't come. Maybe you'll come now and see the debate. <laughs> I don't recall that invitation. You did, you remember the carpet mail. <laughs> and that was a Sinn Féin orchestrated campaign as well when we were doing up City Hall and I was accused of spending hundreds of thousands in the City Hall or in the Lord Mayor's office. You I recall remember, that. I remember that yeah. story. Could I, just yeah. before... And, that and was a load of nonsense too. But, would, anyway. but we would prefer to see politicians across all parties in the times of an emergency like we're in now in a crisis getting on with each other and trying to work as one big group. I agree Rather entirely. than the name calling you're engaging in this I morning. Agree. Yeah, but Neil, you see, it's, it's, it's exasperating when we are actually doing things practically and you have this grandstanding by others who have no interest, really, as I say, we did disposals, 26 ho- affordable houses and 200 apartments at the finance meeting last Monday night. Where was Sinn Féin? There was no one there. All right. They were down on the steps. So I have to look at that and say to myself, well, I'm in here doing something. Other councillors, independent... You believe Sinn Féin not to be genuine about their so-called commitments? Well, like, they're interested in exploiting issues for electoral purposes. We're interested in getting them done. So what I'm saying this but morning But you've had is, your chances and you haven't got it done. To give someone else. Well, hold a on a minute, Neil. We're back. You're hogging, the, don't be hogging the ball. No, 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 Neil. We're back in government, and we've the housing portfolio for two and a half years. Thirty-three thousand houses have been built. We have the affordable housing schemes up and running. We have the first buy. Thirty-three thousand or thirty thousand young people availed of the first buy scheme uh, 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 that Sinn Féin are against. Right? Sinn Féin don't want people buying their council houses. That's another thing, Neil. People want to be very careful because if you're a council tenant today and you're interested in purchasing your home, you better do it fast. Because God forbid if Sinn Féin ever get into government, they've said they why, do not believe why is, in why is, people why buying is their it, council houses. Why is it a good idea that somebody should be able to buy council well, property? I think, Neil, it's, it's taking up, it's taking up city yeah. stock, isn't it? It is, but Neil, if someone has so why is that a good idea? rent for 30 years and it's their family home, are they not entitled to? We're a party that believes in ownership. Sinn Féin don't. We believe in private ownership. If someone has paid, uh, you know, uh, lived in a council house for 40 years and paid rent for it, why aren't they allowed to buy it? Mm, okay, good point. We all want it. You own your house, I own my house. Why shouldn't we uh, uh, promote private ownership? Why shouldn't people be allowed? No, it's not about private ownership Féin, of private Féin property. Féin it's private ownership. I mean, Ola Breen is a communist deal, as we all know. He's a trash. And I mean, in fairness to him, he has said that publicly. He doesn't believe in private ownership. He won't say that publicly, but that's the fact. 
right? So if I people get, are, the, are interested in your ire towards toward Sinn Féin has raised to a new I hate hypocrisy, Neil. I just hate hypocrisy. And if people were get involved and do things practically, I'd have to, you know, and there, there are many independents. Uh, and look, I get on well with McFinn. I don't want to be nasty with anybody. These are McFinn and Thomas Maloney and, and Ted Tyne and Ollie. They get involved practically. They make a contribution. They're not out but all the time. With, yeah, but with yesterday you said that McFinn was, that McFinn was talking through his... Decisions. So you're saying that he wasn't talking through his backside then yesterday, McFinn? Ah, uh, well, Neil, you know, listen... We don't get involved in, in name calling. Let's, let's face what you said, you said it, not me. Well, I didn't say it publicly, Neil. I'm surprised you're raising, raising that. But anyway, look, we'll have to be careful. We say it in future. Oh, so, so it's okay to say things privately. Okay, I see. Well, Neil, there's things, as you well know, there's things off the record and on the record. I wasn't I aware. I, my apologies for that. Well, I wasn't aware well, that no it was Neil, off the no record. Neil. No, Neil, you're, you're at it. Long anyway, look. I am being uh, Nick, 100% Nick, genuine Nick when I say that I did not know I, yeah, it was okay. off the record. Mick Finn is a great friend of mine. He was a fantastic Lord Mayor and, and I even know the best of time for him. So he'll understand right, what, what's been said there. I didn't agree with what, much of what he said because okay. we do have cross-pollination across the council. The, the only time we have a whip on is for the finance uh, debate where we put together the budget along with others while Sinn Féin sit in the sidelines. We put together the budget. Yeah, but sure you, you, vote, you voted, locally, you voted you know? for the uh, lifting of the eviction ban. You voted for it. No, we didn't. The government lifted it. Uh, and they, they lifted it on the base of knowledge they had. You have to regulate the market. And why have we landlords leaving? Because people are interfering. And you heard what, what Father McVeigh made a point there. There's too much interference in, in, in the market, right? And remember, 80% of landlords have about two or three houses. Yeah, well, then, big, huge yeah, conglomerate. Uh, no, well, we are, well, we are actually, we are actually talking about huge conglomerates who are coming in here, hoovering it all Very up little, and no though, And their pension funds of Irish workers, Neil. Their pension funds of Irish workers. That's yeah. what they are. Do you know and, what I mean? And you need any number of different people. And that should, that should be a consolation to somebody who's losing the roof over their head, is it? No, no, Neil. It should be a consolation to those who have worked all their lives and are relying on a pension to see them through their old age. And we'll deal with people who have eviction notices. So uh, all, all, of that then, all of that then is done on the backs of others who have nowhere to live, is it? I mean, no, but there you are. What have we again, Neil? You know, what about? What about? Okay. I mean, you, you, you retort on all these kind of things. The fact of the matter is we have issues here that we need to resolve. Get on with it, so. We're in the okay. process of resolving them. They there will always be issues with housing, and so we will always be trying to resolve. Okay. There is no utopia anywhere in the world, Neil, where you know the sun shines every morning and someone wakes up with a cup it of tea. It would be in their intolerable hands, of know? many European countries. It wouldn't be legal in many European countries to well, do what we do I here. Don't any, I don't know of any European country where there's not an issue with housing. Where's there not an issue with with, with, with with rentals? Where there's not an issue with jobs? There where is there's not no an issue with the health service. Do you know what I mean? There's no utopia in the, in the world, Neil, unfortunately. Well, but what we're no, doing but, but is we're getting on with it and other, we're trying to resolve the problem. Well, that's in that's other European job. countries, you would not be allowed as a landlord to evict someone because you wanted to put another family member in there. That would not be allowed. It would be inconsequential. No, no, and, and, and that is something that needs to be dealt with. But we do have a constitution, Neil, where private ownership, like the state can come in. Well, at the moment, they can't anyway. Under Sinn Féin, you, you might have a different kettle of fish, but at the moment we can't burst in your front door, Neil, and throw, pull you out of your house. You own your house, you paid for it. That's that's in our constitution. I've I've yet to hear anyone say we should change it so that we don't uh, uh, we don't now allow private ownership. Is, mm. is, is everything going to be like we saw that in the Soviet Union and the whole place fell apart? Okay. Right, that's that's socialism gone mad, and it's nowhere. 
Irish landlords have much more freedom when it comes to ousting tenants than most of their counterparts across Europe. It just would no, not no, be tolerated. Well, I don't know, but I mean, Neil, the bottom line is there is an issue here. You can here, even no, throw out a tenant here because you can say I did need to do significant renovations. Would be would not be tolerated. Well, it has to be valid, Neil. It has to be valid. You know, I mean, that, that's important. But look, we are dealing with an issue here now. We're dealing with it and we'll continue to All deal right. with it. And we have set up uh, a proper uh, uh, department in City Hall who are dealing with it. And as you say, that that girl you were speaking to earlier on, it will be down there and happens too. There are others. And I'd say we put out the call, then let's test the market deal. Let's see who what landlords haven't heard anything back from City Hall. Let's see who who, who gets on to us. Okay. And, 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 and I come back exercise. on it, I'll Thank let you. you know how we do. Let's do that. Let's leave it at that for now. Thank you as always, Councillor Terry Shannon. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone if you'd like to contribute. Need to take a break, we'll come back. Text uh, sorry, call 08. 1-8-104-106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I asked story after story. There's another one breaking this morning. I saw it in The Independent. It's a young man who lost a lot of his valuables, was left completely and utterly homeless. He was illegally evicted. The landlord claimed that he was selling the property. There were apartments by all accounts, but he wasn't selling the property. Instead, he evicted all of the tenants claiming to be selling the property, but instead rented them all out on Airbnb. Shouldn't that be a criminal offence when you think of it? Um, uh, lots of texts coming in on this and lots more besides, but uh, Sheila's standing by. First up, Anne. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay. Uh, we I ju- just want to say, Neil, there's six four-storey houses by, in Ferry Point in Passage West. Six four-storey yeah. houses, as yeah. in... Um, Four-story what? Are they apartments or what? No, 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 no. They were family homes. And Nama bought them out. They were bought out that time before the bubble burst. Yeah. Because they were going to... Um, they think things from the dockyard and passage and all that kind of thing. Oh, there was going to be huge yeah, development down there in the boom, yeah. They were going to have everything and anything. Yeah, but yeah. Those houses, the convent and all that, yeah. 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 But that started now. Oh, good. I'm delighted. Yeah. yeah. But these houses... And then the people that were owned, owned them were paid off, like, to, to, to vacate them. Yeah, yeah. Was that so who owns house? them? Well, no, they took them over. They built their wind bus or something. That so, uh, and how long have they been idle? Fifteen years. Fifteen years. Six yeah. four-storey houses. And they were... Fine, new, fine homes. Newly built. Oh, no, they're not there. The years and years yeah. and years old. Okay. But good solid homes, you'd actually get, we'd say, four flats in each one. So 24 apartments, if you like. Yep, yep. Just sitting there, 15 yep. years. I could, I could fill days of programmes with people telling me about vacant properties, yep. no. to be honest. Also, in Rockingham, in Horsehead, is the name of the place, there's all new apartments that were built, go back dead as well, and that's fell apart to go to the bubble bursting. Now they have started to put the, the windows are gone in there lately, but there's still nothing being done about being less renting them or selling them or whatever. Yeah, but that's 12, 13 years later. Yep, 15, actually, isn't it? Since the bubble burst. 50, you're, actually, you're right, my sums are off. 2008, 15 years later, they're starting yeah. to put the windows in and finish them. And then you have the one, the red brick up by St. Patrick's Church on the road to Sow Road that were never finished inside because the same thing happened. Now, why are those houses after being sold 
the people that would pick pick them up. I'd say I'd say a lot of that criticism could be directed towards the banks as opposed to councils. You know. Yeah. But it's a mortal sin. It, it's a total sin. It should, shouldn't but be that way. Um, the government need. Yeah, but it could. Well, yeah, it would be. It would be. Yeah, but like the I mean, then the government should start doing something about them. It's, it's shocking. And they're beautiful red brick there by St. Patrick's Church. Okay, well, you've given three or four different examples. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then there's a lot of derelict houses in Patrick's West as well. Derelict so, houses that were privately owned, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a big long terrace of houses there in Passage that all I haven't been down there in a while, but they all yeah. look boarded. Are they just still all boarded up there? Yeah, there's a lot there now where the chemist is. You know where the chemist is. An awful shame to see big long stretches of homes like that just completely boarded it's up. An absolute disgrace. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Anne. Thank you, Sheila. Good morning. Good morning, me. I, it's actually Terry. I wanted to ask a question too. I want to know why houses are boarded up that have insulation, have heating, have windows, and people came out of them. And if those houses are fit enough for those people to live in all these years, what's wrong that they don't give them out straight away? He says they're they're called voids. He says they're turning them around faster now. But I could keep giving examples of it not being fast. What's the faster? Since they put barriers up in these houses, nobody's come to check them or look at them or do anything. And if they do come, what will they do? Tear everything out. All these houses need to be done. Is The problem is the council don't have workers. He says that policy has changed as well, that they're no longer tearing the guts out of the house. Right. Well, all they have to do is get cleaning companies in because they don't seem to have any other such solution for it. If I was sitting down there, I'd make sure you've got a good couple of cleaning companies in, clean out all these houses, and don't bother painting them because the tenant is going to change it anyway. Once the house is clean and habitable, I'm sure... Because by, a, by, and la- by and large, they're perfectly fine when people are leaving them. I, I get it that the odd one might need they are. a bit, well, a bit of refurb. Yes, but the yes. two, but the two near you, the two near you, for instance, tell me about them. I knew again, new enough houses, mate. They're not old houses. They've been insulated. They have windows in them. They have the heating, which is serviced, and they're just two together now, and I'm not joking, it's a shame they have these steel things up there, and they look awful, and you see people passing, and they're all saying, and that is shame, and people crying out for houses. How long are they like that? They're only a couple of weeks, but that's not the point. Yeah. They're new enough houses, and their excuse all along was, oh, they have to put in heating, they have to do this. Why but would people houses- have moved out of them, Sheila? Well, me, that's not for me to say. Okay, okay, okay. That's not for me to say. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, councillors know. They know. But you know, annoys me No, it just said well in the text that you were saying that you, that these properties need a quick clean and a hoover and hand over the keys that they've been there for over a year. No, 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 I didn't text I'm that. sorry, that's what it that's says. Somebody Maybe else. somebody else. No, 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 okay. no, that's just, uh, somebody else. No, I didn't say that. Okay. All I'm saying is, I, I say it all the time, all these houses need is a clean-out. Okay, okay. Because if the corporation took rent off people for these houses and they weren't unsuitable, then that's a crime. Let me get some text on the air. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Anne. Incidentally, we've already had landlords contacting us asking for Terry Shannon's number. Uh, And he put it out there this morning on the air saying that if there is a landlord or a property owner 
who has tenants there, wants to get out of the market and wants to sell, that I was to give out his telephone number because he will make it happen that City Council will buy it. So happy to do that if you are a landlord or a property owner who does wish to sell but leave the tenant where they are. Give me a call, 0818104106, text 0868104106. We will give you Terry Shannon's number. And ideally then, uh, let me just say this, ideally then uh, the tenant will be able to stay in the property, right? Because the council will buy it and leave the tenant ideally in situ. Problem with that then is that it's eating into the private rental stock for people who aren't on housing lists, that don't bid on the CBL, that don't have HAP or housing assistance, that are just trying to paddle their own canoe in the private world, you know, with their own income. So it eats into that stock. I get that. But, you know, I suppose the devil's in the detail, really. Um, Anyway, we'll come back to that. But if you do wish his number, uh, do give us a text and I'll pass it on to you. An awful lot of text on this. Maria, living next door to an empty house and Maria is now homeless. The inference is let her have another few children. Uh, give her the house next door, Council Council. Be kind. Uh, I know what you're saying. Many people, again, as usual, we have stories like that. Why, why is it that any time that I have stories on the air that involve uh, a woman with children or a young child... Uh, an awful lot of people ask, where's the dad? Um, it's, it's like as if you're pointing a finger of blame to me. Why, why can't it be um, a young mother with a child or a mother with a child or women raising children on their own? Why does there always have to be this kind of inference that, ah, oh, that's not genuine because there's a dad somewhere and he should be looking after them or why isn't he paying his way? Um, there's a backstory to everybody's circumstance, but I see more of them again this morning. Where's the father of the child? Where's the father of the child? Will you please stop talking, Neil, about hotels and guest houses? Will you get real, for God's sake? The government has filled them all, and we know who they filled them with, I suppose. Anyway, text 0868104106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Where's the father of the child, Neil? Can he not help her? There's more than there. Increase taxes for investment funds. Do it now. Increase taxation on investment funds. And keep the taxation the same for small landlords, says John in Douglas. Taxation, it's taxation on income not rental income. Taxation is on income. If tax were to be dropped for small landlords, all the rich will just hoover up the cheap properties, leaving the young and first-time buyers in a worse situation than they are already, says John. Uh, Ireland's one of the richest countries in the world. We can bring construction companies from overseas to bring numbers up. We just have nowhere to put the workers when they come here. But if it was tackled from day one, we'd be fine. We just have lazy governments who only care about themselves and their pockets from the private developers. Uh, one or two more. I had to pay a visit to the Mercy Hospital yesterday. What I saw was a total disgrace. Biohazard yellow bins on the footpaths. Bins, rubbish, piles of all kinds of rubble. Porta cabins are now featuring as part of the hospital on the road. Cork is totally neglected by these governments, by these those in government. Billions have been spent on projects in Dublin where Cork gets porta cabins. Michal Martin was only ever interested in being Taoiseach and meeting sleepy Joe Biden. I've never seen Cork so dirty and neglected in all my life. Uh, on housing issues, why don't you challenge City Hall regarding the vacant properties that can be used to house people? All you seem to do is talk. Well, I suppose that's part of my job, actually, isn't it? To talk or to uh, instill debate or bring up topics or allow you guys to have topics on air that you wish to discuss. Incidentally, I have tried, given up trying now at this stage uh, to talk with the chief executive at Cork City Council. Uh, the last time uh, that we were in touch would have been 
maybe this time last year and I remember getting a promise during the summer during the summer yeah I mean no I mean like I'm going to come to that part as to how many times we've been in touch but during the summer I was given undertaking that um, that I would have an opportunity to have a sit down and a chat and a conversation on air uh, with the chief executive of Cork City House it never happened and then subsequent to many many contacts with them across the summer and the autumn and indeed even into the winter uh, no response absolutely nothing I, I think that maybe the challenge of the conversation is is too big that there are too many things wrong um, or maybe they just couldn't be bothered or just don't wish to talk to me but it's not for the one to trying so uh, I'm happy yeah I, I challenge absolutely I do but uh, it's not for the one to try I sent in a message a few weeks ago about a house in Fairhill that's in immaculate condition the keys were handed back by the family who used to rent it from Cork City Council for um, the keys were handed back over 15 months ago there are no boards on the window to indicate that it's idle but as it's next to my family home I know 100% that it's been lying idle for 15 months I also know that it's ready it's ready for a family to move into for all of this time so another example this one a 15 monther I'm out west in the old days the Garda stations would have houses attached to them these houses now by and large are idle the government and the Department of Justice should give these over to those in need when you look at the 26 counties, it adds up to quite a lot of them. Some, granted, are in need of work, but viable options all the same. Yeah, you see that all the time. You go to rural towns and villages, primarily the villages, and the house or the cottage attached to the, gar- attached to the Garda station. Garda station is probably shut as well, never mind the house. Can't come on, but a one-bed flat has been ready near me for six years this year. So it's a lot longer than 72 weeks. It's just utter madness. A one-bedroom flat, six years. Uh, Terry Shannon on your show right now is everything that's wrong with this country. They aren't doing nearly enough. He needs to be taken down a peg or two. Thank you for arguing back. Uh, Terry's party has been in government for three out of every five years since the foundation of the Irish state. How is this housing crisis Sinn Féin's fault? Terry, like the rest of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, are only interested in themselves and their party cronies. Party always before people. Terry's defending the party, not doing the people. Um, Their are, are houses closed up everywhere. Terry will want to wise up and represent the people. Independents are the only ones who have the people's voice. Um, the famous words of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael is, I proposed, I proposed, but never acted upon. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael can't open their mouths without having to go at Sinn Féin. It shows how afraid they are of Sinn Féin and it also deflects from the mess the government has this country in, says Desi. And one or two more. It goes to show how far Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil are prepared to run from the truth. Um, ask this gentleman about the 20 houses that are empty for two years on Chickley's Road in Yall. Ask him that. Well... The answer to that would be that that would be Cork County Council. Our latest correspondence with City Council uh, regarding um, having a sit-down or a conversation with the Chief Executive is dated the 6th of December, asking if she was available before Christmas. We got no response. Um, Zero. It's, you know... Nothing new, actually, people listening to this program that nobody responds to them at City Hall or answers the phone or gets a voicemail that's full. Uh, That was the latest in a series of emails asking to speak, and there was no response. Zero. 
back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Pick up the phone, Lil, uh, Phil is standing by. First up, Leah. Leah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How okay, are you? Just picking up on, uh, and and I understand that uh, you know we're talking a lot about this over the last couple of days, but it's that important because everybody has their own individual story. Tell us yours, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. So I suppose I'm coming from a different stance. I think than a lot of people. I I do realise how lucky I am that I I'm in a I'm in a job, a secure job. My partner is in a job as well. He's a teacher. Um, but we have a two and a half year old. We've been renting. I've been renting personally for eight years in Cork. Yeah. And my partner has been renting as well in Cork as well. And we are struggling to raise enough money for a mortgage. And not only that, but there's a fear of God in us that between bidding wars it's going to go up we need to have that extra little bit constantly in our back pocket as well um, it's just kind of it's a bit heartbreaking I love Ireland and I love where I am but it is heartbreaking when I'm a 26 year old and I see a lot of my friends they're going over to Australia they're immigrating and it's hard to build a, a home and a, and a life for what's, your family what's stopping you going where they've gone? well, well I have a two and a half year old girl and I have a lot of family I have a lot of support here and I'm very fortunate for that. And I, when I was growing up, I'm sorry, I might sound a little nostalgic, but I always thought that I would raise my children. I always thought that I would raise my family in Ireland. And I always thought that that would be achievable for me. Oh, I know. And I thought if I, I got my degree and I got my qualifications and I got my job and I got myself steady, that that would be, of course, achievable. And yet I'm ticking all the boxes and partners ticking all the boxes and we're still stuck. We're still paying astronomical amount of rent. And it's very hard to save for a mortgage it takes a really really long time uh-huh. and I know and it just it's heartbreaking then when you know it's, it's just heartbreaking to kind of think that I saw a know, house I saw a house yesterday actually just out, I'm not going to say where but I, I was driving doing a couple of jobs this particular house in a particular area that I was driving past um, and I saw it was up for sale it would have been a family home that would have mm. known, I would have known for a long, long, long time. Now, the mm. family have all gone their own way. Mothers and the fathers have passed away and what have you. And it went up on the market yesterday. So I had a, a look at it last night um, and the asking price on it, and it needs work now, the asking price was €440,000. But I know, without fear of contradiction, that that house will go for at least fifty or sixty grand more than that. Oh, I believe it, Neil. Easy. I 100% believe yeah. it. I've seen it firsthand only literally the last two, three weeks. A friend of ours, they were trying to buy a house and bidding. they almost had one and it went up 50 grand more. And sure, I mean, you know, they worked their ass off to get, sorry, excuse my language, they worked very hard to get that mortgage approved. And obviously, you know, it's a six month kind of window for a mortgage to get a place. Mm. And then it goes up in, within, within a couple of hours, mm. 50 grand. Mm. And you're looking at yourself like we can't. We're like that's the money that we need to put into the house. Yeah. Because once you get in, you have you have obviously more expenses to actually get the house up and running. Yeah. It's not like you can walk in and turn the lights on in happy days. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. So you believed. I think that's. I think that's fantastic when you say it. It's passionate. You say you truly believe that you would always be in Cork. That you would tick all the boxes. Get your education. Go to college. Raise your family here because you love Cork. You shouldn't have to be driven away. I I never thought that I would want to feel like I, I suppose I'm just that type of person. I'm very passionate that I, I I love Cork. I love the people of Cork. I really like the country that we live in, but it's really disappointing me and it's making me really sad when 
I think of the lack of resources and the lack of help that my generation is facing to actually want to stay here. I, mm. I completely sympathise and I completely understand yeah, I know. why I know. my sister who is training to be a nurse has already, she hasn't even finished her training and she's already like, yeah, I'm gone. The minute I finish my course, I, or the minute I finish my degree, I'm gone. Yeah. And I'm like, I understand. I can't even fight you on it. I get it. You know. But has she and said that she wants to go for the adventure or is it because she sees no hope here? The, oh, the only reason I'm asking, because I, I think people in their 20s, I'm exactly the same age as you are now. I was exactly your age when I left and, and went to Canada. Mm-hmm. I was 26 years old. There was no work mm-hmm. here. It was, there was no, listen, there was... But even in itself, Neil, isn't that just disheartening? Isn't that just so upsetting that we are, we are as many years as whatever onwards and still the people in their 20s are being driven out of their own country, their own home? Yeah. Because there's no support for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so it's so disheartening. It yeah. is is actually at the time it was it was a lack of jobs, not a lack of housing. Um, mm, but but yeah. the only thing I would say for somebody in their twenties, not necessarily you now, I'm not lecturing you or anything, is I would say that everybody at that age should go. For, it was the best thing I ever did, and I think it, I would highly recommend that people should leave for a while and come back again if they so choose, see the world, experience other cultures. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm all for that. I absolutely, I think, you know, go out, spread your wings. But I, just from speaking to people in general, I mean, they're building lives. This isn't going off and starting an adventure. Maybe it started off like that. Oh, we'll go to Australia, we'll go to New Zealand, we'll go to Canada, we'll start an adventure. But those people are there for the last three years. They're they're building roots down there. They're thinking, well, I'm building up, I'm, you know, going up a ladder here, I'm, Successful. And I that impacts on our education future. system. It impacts on our um, teaching um, so, 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 structure in the sense that we're losing teachers, we're losing doctors, nurses, we're losing skilled people from all walks of life. So, so what kind of a mortgage would you get approved for? Do you mind me? Well, uh, we wouldn't. Well, Neil, as it stands, I'll tell you now, my, my partner is a couple of years older than me and he's been teaching and he has fantastic qualifications and I am working as a childcare practitioner and I'm actually back studying as well to try and further my education while also working, while also being a mom. And we are, we're easily three years off from getting a mortgage because, well, two anyway, I mean two, three years off from being approved for a mortgage. Um, and that is simply because there are so many boxes to tick before yeah. you. And the deposit there is, is a, one of them, isn't it? The yeah. deposit is, is, is huge. And I mean, we really hoped for like a minimum of three bedrooms, to be honest, because there's us, there's our child. And it, I think I said it in my message, my text as well, and to you that, I, it, and I feel a lot of people in, in today in their 20s and in their 30s feel the same is that they are holding off on having children. And it's, it's like, you don't want to say it, but it is because they cost a lot and the banks will look at how many children you have and how much you're, you know, and, and, and part of me obviously understands where they're coming from, but that breaks my heart then as well, because I'm like, right, so I want to start building my family, but that's being pushed aside right now because I need to get myself a home and I need to think, oh, well, that child's going to cost X, Y, Z. So, no, no, we'll put that on the back burner. And do, do, and do they take into consideration, say, for instance, your eight years of renting, that, that credit record when you're looking at a mortgage? Does that? Listen, I'm not going to say 100% for certain because I'm not 100% for certain, but last time I checked, it was about... About a year ago, I looked into it and they were talking about taking, if you were a long-term renter, into consideration. But that was a, that was a meaningless conversation, I'd imagine. That's just never really materialised yeah. because oh, I haven't looked into it now as of recent. 
but last time I checked, no. No, they just saying, would it, would, does somebody with a it, long it track essentially record? Doesn't really, it essentially doesn't really stand to me at all, Neil, um, which, which is another thing because, I mean, I have never been late. Might have been eating in my student years. I might have been eating beans and toast, but I never was late paying rent. I was always on time. There was always lights on. There was always. Yeah, I, know. I made sure and I supported myself through that, and and that was fine. We I always worked part time jobs. I would view myself a hard worker, and yes, it's, when it comes to repayment, and I'm talking to some people who have mortgage repayments, and you know they're talking like you know somewhere between anywhere between kind of nine hundred to like. 1,100 a month. Substantially less than a, more, than a rental. It's less than a rental. That's and I'm like, right. so you're telling me now that I, you're saying by the books, if you were to look at it on a piece of paper, I apparently don't, do not have the funds to pay back a mortgage. But I can tell you for right now that for the last eight years, I have had enough money to pay back a mortgage. And it just doesn't stand. It doesn't, they don't take that into consideration that I have been a long-term renter. It's just the timing is all against you. The timing. Yeah. And well, also, I mean, it's just so hard to get even the deposit. But then if you have it, you're scrimping trying to find somewhere because houses, and that's why the bidding wars are so vicious is because everyone is in the same boat. We're all fighting to get a home, to mm. get somewhere. Mm. Mm. And to be honest, even even as it is, I mean, that couple that I was talking about, they're, they're, they're gone to Blarney. It's like, it's not even, we're not even talking like city, city centre. It's mm. like it's all the outskirts kind of thing. And it's just, it's just... Um, Good luck with it. Good luck with it. <laughs> Thanks, Leah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for, like thanks many for people listening, are. Good luck with it. Good luck with it. Malcolm, good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you? Okay. Uh, back to evictions. Are we the heart-wrenching stories of people who um, have been contacting, telling their own case histories? Go ahead. Yeah, listen to the was there yesterday and today. It's terrible to listen to what's ahead of us. And look, the state have an obligation to people to hose them. And I feel they're letting them down. Um, when you say the state is uh, an obligation to house people, all people? Well, it's people that need need help, the social housing side of it. They, they, they do need to help them out. Not everyone can afford to get a mortgage. Not everyone has the means to do it themselves. Yeah, a national, a national mortgage bank would fix that overnight, wouldn't it? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. If you could they, prove, if you could prove that you were capable of repaying rent... For, say, for, in the case of Leah, for eight years on the trot, that you should be but able to apply for a national mortgage. What? That should be taken into consideration. Yeah, yeah. Like, they've been paying their money, their rent every week without fail for these last number of years, and yet that's not being taken into consideration. It's so wrong. I was just telling Terry Shannon there a while ago, just half of it, I didn't get an awful lot of it. But you asked him a question regarding um, the waiting time to turn houses around. And in one particular case, there's a house next door to a girl a year and a half. Yeah. No, I'm not knocking Terry Shannon because I think anyone that gets involved in politics, fair play to him. It's something I couldn't do. And well, I don't care what party you're from. Just get the work done. And he seems to be fairly passionate about it, to be fair to him. But you asked him a question about a house that was a year and a half idle. In one breath, he said he didn't know the answer to it. And in the second breath, he turned around and said, he's inside the housing department every single day. So, which is it? Uh, an awful lot of texts on my conversation with Terry Shannon, which I'll read out in a couple of moments' time. Um, you were also saying uh, what a solicitor would make of the state having to look out, look after her. What do you mean by that with regards to a legal challenge? Well, I suppose the state at the end of the day 
have an, ab- an obligation it's in our constitution that you look after people that need help and in my view from what I can see and what everybody else is talking about they seem to be falling down on it because to have somebody homeless in 2023 is an absolute travesty mm. in my eyes okay okay all right, thanks for that, and Malcolm. Yeah. They're asking people, they're, people come on here and they say this about, uh, you know, about racism and all that. Look, I don't care where you're from. You could be from Timbuktu for all I care. If you need help, you should be able to get it. And in my eyes, they're failing. Irish people, they're failing everybody by not providing the houses for them. So you, are, you, are, you okay? are you okay? You're okay with people coming in from any country anywhere in the world, right? Yeah. Wait, wait a second. Without the mean, without the means to support themselves. Well, that's another side of it. Mona, it's very straightforward. I mean, if they're not refugees or fleeing war and they want to come here for a better life, are you suggesting that they should all be welcomed into Ireland and automatically be put on welfare and put on a housing list? Because I, I'm not. No, well, I'm not either. Because I think there should be a model like what they have in Australia, where you have to have certain means with you. Totally. Coming, That's only common sense. Coming. Otherwise, common sense. I mean, it's collapsed already, but otherwise, maybe it was chaotic already, I don't know. It would be just a hell of a lot worse if that were allowed. Within, oh, yeah. with the outside, of, I mean, we must do it because we're within the EU. That's one of the reasons why we have Brexit. Problem, and I said, it, I said it for years. The very minute we signed up with the EU, when this referendum came in to sign up for the EU, we sold or sold down this money because we don't run our own country anymore. We're, we're out to run it. And what that girl said well ago, the girl, the, the first girl I was on yesterday, she told she was on about, she's been told how to live her life, Neve. where to live, how much it Neve, which I, who I thought spoke exceptionally well, and I feel so sorry for him. Like, she's been told where to live, how to live, how much to spend, and how to basically live her life. That's exactly what's been happening, she's been dictated to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Whereas, people, people shouldn't be afraid, editor. people shouldn't be actually be afraid to look at the reality of the situation if the country is full and can't take any more and is heaving at the seams. We need to well, we need to be realistic about it. Yeah, you can't put a room peg into a square hole. Yeah. That's common sense. Yeah. And basically what they're trying to do is cram as many people in here. No, I don't know. Are they being looked after by the EU to do this? Is there money changing hands? Oh, there would be. There would be funding for it. But that right. doesn't... That, I mean, that that's fine. Funding for what, though? And what happens with the yes. funding if you can't put a roof over yes. people's heads and you're getting money and spending it on roads or infrastructure or footpaths or cycle lanes? So that's only a nonsense response if yeah. they say it's not costing us. Well, it may not be costing the state, but it's costing families and people and sons and daughters who are leaving Ireland, you know? I, I have a daughter and I've at the moment down the passage to try to buy a house. They've... They've approved their mortgage, but they're going to have to work damn hard for the next 35 years to pay it off. Nothing wrong with that. Bit of hard work, no. pay it off, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and look, they have a good, they're, they're, they're brilliant what they're doing and they're working hard for what they have. Minutes, and I hope they, they you know, going to prosper. But by God, they're fighting ahead. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, like people are saying, they're, the councils are coming in, county councils, city councils are coming in, and they're buying up stock from around the place. Yeah. So you can't compete with the likes of those. It's yeah. very hard to compete with the likes Yeah, of that's why I'm a bit... Uh, that's why, I, I mean, that's why I'm kind of caught between two stools. People are uh, getting in touch saying that they have properties and they want to sell them and will the council buy them and Terry Shannon is saying give them my number and we'll buy them off them. But yet your son and, your son and do- your son or your daughter or whomever then, that's one less house for them to bid on for a mortgage, you see. Yes. 
I sold the house back in 2007 to the corporation. I lived in Fairhill, I sold the house, and I moved out the country. But I started in a small house, I have a bigger house now, which is great. Mm. I can afford it. But I had to walk my ass off to, get, to, to do it. Mm. That's okay. That's what I wanted to do. But when you have the likes of the city council and county council coming in, buying up and saying private estates and whatever, whatever else, whatever you want to call them, you're going to find it very hard then for the first-time buyers. Or if you want to upgrade, you're going to find it very hard to do so. Yeah, I understand. No, I understand there also, the and city, I don't, I don't mean to come across, council. I don't mean to come across as being anyway kind of racist or anti other people because I'm not that. But I have case, I have case histories as well of uh, councils who bought up entire housing estates that had just been built. In one case. It was, I think, something in the region of maybe 22 three-bedroom semis, all brand new. And, yeah. they, bu- and they bought every single one of them. One of them. Um, now, yeah. sadly, the disparity, it will depend where you are in a housing list, but the disparity between Irish and international families was way out of kilter. But they put families in there, so at least they well, did I can, that. I can understand why the developers are doing this, because it's easy. You're probably dealing with one solicitor, not dealing with 22 solicitors for yeah. individual houses. Yeah. That part I do understand. But they should, they should put a stop to it. In my view, and again, look, who am I? But what they probably should do is go back to what they did years ago and build their own Build houses. their own houses. Okay, good stuff. Thanks, Malcolm. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Uh, Terry has the fire under his arse now. Where was all the energy before? I, I will say one thing in his defence. He's a very hard-working councillor. He really is. He does care. Uh, great great to debate with. Um, and I always in, uh, enjoy and look forward to conversations with him on the air because it's got to be frustrating as well to be a councillor and see so many things wrong and trying to put as much right as possible. But he does work for his local community. I will give him that. He was a councillor for me for many, many years, but and then the border boundaries got changed. Not anymore. Um, uh, Terry Shannon is the clown. If he was a Mars bar, he'd eat himself. He loves himself so much, so somebody else. I'm 13 years and three months on the Cork City waiting list. I am in a small apartment in the city that is HAP-funded. It's more student-like, not suitable for a working adult. I'm single in my 40s. I've had foreign work colleagues in the country for five years who got homes before me, and I'm 100% fully Irish. Happy to read these out. Uh, Get them off the air. There's no compassion for people in Terry Shannon's conversation. He's only defending his party that is destroying this country. Ask Terry how many brown envelopes did his party get from private developers. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, Sinn Féin were marching, telling everyone there's plenty of room in Ireland. Come on in. That's the disgrace. There's no accommodation for people to rent or to buy. It's a joke. Terry's full of hot air. They ruined the country for decades. He's the clown, says John in Cove. Uh, Would Terry stop concentrating on Sinn Féin and worry about all the families with no roofs over their heads? There are idle houses in every corner of the country. And all he's talking about is knocking other political parties. Not to mention, of course, the amount of people who are young and leaving Ireland. Very, very highly qualified and skilled. Much of it actually supplemented by the taxpayer. And off they're going to Australia. Terry's a bluffer. My last home was council-owned. I'm gone three and a half years. And the council haven't even moved in to refurbish it. Another example, if it were needed, of a vacant council property. Three and a half years. Why would it surprise people, though, when I hear chapter and verse from people who, um, you know, 
Phones don't get answered. Answering machines are full. Emails don't get responded to. We even emailed last week. We had a, one particular question that we put to them last week by email regarding a housing officer. Our last email to City Council was on Monday asking why they didn't apply for funding for a vacant housing officer. And again, no response. Uh, would he just give Maria and Neve one of those apartments each and stop talking bull, says Eilish. Uh, and one or two more. What about what have they done for two years? He's talking such bull and people are living on the streets, says Marie. Get him off the air, please. He's talking verbal diarrhea. Neil doesn't get a chance to speak with him. He's the same as all in government. Well able to spoof. Who else got four pay rises during the lockdown? It says everything that needs to be said about them. Ask Terry about all the apartments that are vacant for the last couple of months in the new estate called Dara Estate near Besbra. Uh, morning. He says he's been housing people for the last two years and he's housed 10 families. Is he having a laugh? What was he doing with the rest of his time? Uh, great interview, great questions. Uh, the man is right. Sinn Féin only cause trouble. You seem to support Sinn Féin. Why are landlords running because of Sinn Féin? Ask yourself. No, I don't. I have no affiliation to any political party in this country whatsoever. Um, and you know what? It's kind of years of doing this radio program has led to me to have absolutely zero affinity for any of them. Uh, and I can say that hand on my heart. I will say one other thing, though, um, that sometimes, you know, it, it can be sometimes it is right to uh, go harder on those in government because they have the reins. Right. I'm not saying you should go soft with the opposition, but at least the opposition have the benefit of being in opposition and, and uh, unproven, if you like. Uh, there are three or four council houses here in Mogili. They've been empty for a year. They're all new builds. Uh, when we bought our house, I had to work three jobs. My wife worked two jobs to save for a deposit and have good credit. We didn't have kids until we had the house, says Pat. But the house before the children. That's probably good advice. He's not apologising for the mess in the country. Um, so he's not apologising for the mess in the country was because of his political party. Uh, the reason finished estates lie empty is possibly because the tenants haven't arrived yet. Why else would they lie empty when the Irish are intense, says Patricia. Oh, Patricia believes they're holding the empty properties for those who haven't yet come to Ireland. It's like he's blaming Sinn Féin for all of the problems. Tell him he's not fooling anyone. Get out of government before the country will never be able to recover because of their mess. And just finally, uh, I'm fair sick of listening to men pontificating on your radio show. Uh, it's typical listening to Terry Shannon. He never wants to hear the truth. The guy is in denial. No wonder we're in the state we're in with people like him and his attitude. Uh, and one final one. Ask him if there are 30,000 houses built already. Why hasn't Neave got one? Especially before any non-national. Ireland, in case you noticed, is completely and utterly full. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Daniel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, heartbreaking for you and your daughter and her kids to see a house nearby idle five years. Yeah, in Mount Garden there, Neil. Uh, uh, I know the man next door that's living next door to the uh, um, unoccupied property. Uh, there's few people um, looked at it and it's still idle. I, I know the man fairly well. Uh, and... It's a shame, like, uh, the daughters, she had two young, two young sons, uh, seven and four, and the two of them have uh, autism. These would be your grandchildren, yeah, your grandchildren. Yeah, yeah. I'm a grandfather of 12. 
And she's on a housing list nine years, but yet the house that would suit them in Mount Farron, that you're saying, has had no one lie their head in a pillow there in five years. No, uh, she uh, bid on CBL because she's on the happy payment at the moment. And it's heartbreaking to see the grandsons. Uh, like, uh, and has that house ever come up for bidding? It did. Um, she told me herself that uh, she bid on this and there's a house in the next block to me in Mangerton Close. There was a Romanian family lived there. I know they're gone nearly a year and a half and they're still boarded up. Right. Yeah. Where did they and go? Do you she, don't know where they went? I'm always curious as to why people... They went to uh, Patrick. They got a five-bedroom house. Did they? Did they have more kids, yeah. was it, and they needed a bigger house? Yeah. Right. And okay. um, right, that's the interesting. Herself, she has thoracic arteritis, and the older grandchild he have uh, sensory problems, so he they need three three or four bedrooms. Like, and, and where does she live the, with her two children? Uh, she's in. Oh, I don't uh, want to know the address. Forgive me, uh, Daniel. Not the address, but it's just off uh, Old Yard Road, there down the bottom, when you go down past the barracks. Is that a council property? I know it's a private. So she rents privately with the help of HAP. Yeah. Nine years on a housing list with two kids with autism, sensory needs, and she herself with chronic illness. Um, but yeah. the, but that house that would be ideal, you know the one in Mount Farron? Oh, yeah. That, has, has anybody bid on it? She actually bid on it herself, she told me, and uh, she got letters from her doctor but why does it sit uh, five years if people are bidding on it? I don't really know. I was asking the man that lives next door and he, he, he made a joke. He said, no one wants to live next to me. He was only joking. Of course like, he was only joking. Sure, he'd be, yeah. he'd be in as much disbelief as you and I. Five he, he years. Actually, he actually, uh, the grass was overgrown and he actually cut the grass himself. In, uh, in, that's in exasperating. Just exasperating. And she also got uh, a senior occupational therapist saying that her kids would need to be out of where they are at the moment. It's not suitable for her, the two young grandchildren. It's not. It's not, No, well, certainly that house, the one you're giving as an example, is suitable yeah. for her or for anybody oh, yeah, and has be, been for five it, years. Over five years, the neighbour told me. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot for that, Daniel. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Lots of calls, uh, lots of texts on this, and I will come back to it uh, again in the morning. But can I just just change horses, if you don't mind? I was chatting with some people at the weekend, and it's years since I heard the term Spy Wednesday. I remember it as a kid, um, uh, but I, you know, I hadn't heard that term being used in a long, long time. And it got me thinking about Spy Wednesday, and it got me thinking about Judas and his part in, you know, the the, the death and the crucifixion of of Christ. Now we know that Jesus Christ existed, right? We know that he walked on the on the planet and did his best to help people. This is an historical fact. Now the mysteries of the miracles and, and things like that. I understand all that and the resurrection and. For many, that's open to debate. But, you know, a lot of what happened 
historically is is accurate. But with regards to the week that we're in now, because we're in Holy Week now, right? And that would have started just reading up on it. Would have started uh, with Palm Sunday. So if you're if we were trying to, uh, my idea was to try and look at this week through the eyes of if it were if it were happening now. Right, and this was a news event that was being covered. If you can follow me, so Palm Sunday would have had Jesus coming into Jerusalem. You'll remember that from the doctrine on a donkey, right? Um, and from the stories, he went into the temple and he cleared all of the moneylenders. And it was the start of what would be deemed now to be Easter week or Holy Week. But a lot of events happened across that week. So just to talk us through that narrative on the day that's in it today. That's by Wednesday. I'm joined by Father Tim Hazelwood, a regular contributor to this program. He's the parish priest in Killa. Uh, Father Tim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So, uh, I imagine you would be right up to date if this were happening in modern times as to what happened this week. I always wanted to be a court reporter. Even, even through the eyes of a court reporter. Well yeah. said, Tim, yeah. Yes. Yeah, like what's going on? So, I'm in Jerusalem. I'm just after being at the trial. And I just want to give you the background to it, actually, because yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting culture where in Jerusalem, because at the moment it's the Jewish, the state, it's Israel, but it's occupied by Romans. Yeah. So you have a political problem here in that you have the Roman occupiers and you have the Jews who have their own rules from their religion. So who has, and that's where it makes the case very complicated. So... The Jews have a problem with this man who says he's the Messiah, who's been going around challenging them, who says he's the one who is to come, he's the Son of God, performing miracles and saying terrible things about them. And he had spent the Monday and the Tuesday of this week doing that. Yesterday and Monday he was Mm. anointing the feet of women, performing miracles Mm. and lecturing and talking about being a king and the Son of God, right? So there's people looking at this and saying, what's this guy on about? This is blasphemy. Yeah, but it's the ones who are saying it. He's very popular with the people because they see him and he talks honestly and openly. But the religious leaders have positions of power, which is supported by the Romans, and they like their power, and this guy is challenging them. So what do they do, the Jewish leaders and the Romans in power? Pardon? What do they do? Well, they have, you see, they have the temples. They have their temples and they have important positions and they decide lots of things. They, you have lawyers and stuff like that within the Jewish law. And the Romans allow them because, like, the, the Romans don't want hassle. They, so they have, the, they have their own army and they run the place. So they, they allow the Jews, you could say, do their own thing. And it's the head, the Jewish leaders, who want to get this guy because he's inciting hatred, inciting opposition to them and challenging them. So they want to get rid of him. So there's a deal done, and this is open to, yeah. um, you know, this is a grey area as to whether mm. Judas was the spy in the camp or not. The mm. 30 pieces of silver. Today mm. was the day for that, wasn't it? Which, right. which, which, incidentally, yeah. 30 pieces of silver in today's money was 241 euro. It was small right. money, right? But yeah. So what happened today? What's happening today? Well, Jesus was with his followers, but it was the Jewish police from the temple who wanted to catch him. So they needed somebody, so they paid Judas, and it was Judas who led them to him. So he betrayed, and he came, and he kissed him on the cheek, and he's the one. So Judas was the one that they... 
and tradition, the tradition has it that he, he, he realized what wrong he had done then. But he was caught then. He was taken to the Jewish high priest to pass judgment on him. But he had a problem because he doesn't have power. Like they wanted to get rid of him and they're beholding to the Romans. And he couldn't see the case against him either. You know, if what This would be like, Herod, you know, it, right? It was Annas. Annas. Yeah. And Caiaphas, they were the high priests. My apologies. At the time. Okay. And they handed him over then to Pilate. And so the Roman uh, head of the guards, and he, he could see no problem again because he said, that's your problem. That's a religious problem. You deal with yourself. But they insisted. And like the, the funny thing about the whole thing is that he never defended himself. He never put up a case. Even though he had an opportunity to defend himself. He had opportunities to defend himself and he admitted that he was the son of God. And they just, they, they, they got the crowd going against him until such time as in the end he said, look, take him away. And had, him. Judas had done a runner at this stage, had he? The story has it that Judas took his own life afterwards. That's the tradition. As that's the, that's what's written. Because of his guilt. He felt guilty for what he did. Yeah. And I suppose it's been traditionally remembered always as, you know, Judas, you're the Judas. And, um, so he became famous. And do we still believe that, incidentally? Because there has been a lot of pushback that he's getting a bad rep. Well, I suppose, you see, I suppose take, we go away from the present now and just historically look at what happened. None of this was written at the time. This was written later from the memory of people who were there and from an oral tradition where people wrote it. So any oral tradition is open to interpretation. Like You can't say forensically exactly black and white the whole lot, mm. but it's the story that was told about the trial, the death of Jesus. Okay, so today being that day, um, yeah. and he's in, is, is he incar- is he incarcerated today, or when when do we hear of Gethsemane and the the supper? Is that tomorrow? That's tomorrow. He's betrayed. He's actually betrayed. He's if, uh, Judas has gone to them today. This is the day when they were having the meal, and Jesus said, "The one who dips his." into the dish, he's the one who will betray me. That's right. today. Right. The actual kiss is tomorrow night. In uh, the you know, The way we celebrate it. It's by Wednesday today, the gospel this morning was about Jesus having supper with, or a meal with his apostles, and he says that I'm going to be betrayed. And he said, the one who dips his hand into the dish with me, he's the one. And he tells him, look, go away. They think that he's going to, he's, he has the common fund, that he's going to give money to the poor or something, but Tradition has it that Jesus was talking about the betrayal. Okay, so tomorrow's newspapers then would be saying Jesus to be arrested today, tried yes. today. Yeah. Yes, an informer has come forward and has told us where he is and we're going to get him tomorrow night, mm. tomorrow. Mm. Mm. That's the kind of chronological order and, of what's happening. And then moving from that on to um, Thursday, Thursday night, Friday. He, he has supper. Yeah, he has supper with his apostles and where he gives 
Well, we, tradi- we believe that he instituted the Mass. He said, take this and eat it. And the same with, with the wine. He said, do this in memory of me. And that we believe that that's where the real presence became from, those words. And is there said. any pushback then this week as the week unfolds with people who, who don't want him tried? I mean, when was sentence of crucifixion decided and what was the reaction to that from the public? Well, you see, it, it was incited by the Jewish leaders against him. You see, they were all there, gathered, and it was they were pushing, and they got the crowd going. And like, there's a tradition at that time that one of, one of the people, who, one criminal could be left go, and um, Pilate said, well, look, we let Barabbas go. He was, a, he was a terrorist who had been arrested, and they asked for Barabbas to be let go, not Jesus. So the crowd had been incited against him, they were being for blood in a way because there was others being crucified. It was a, it, it, it was a common feature of the time. You know, they were ruthless in the in the way that they had kept the people down. But why so then, at the start of the week? Why at the start of this week then was he so popular? But by the back end of the week, they went for Barabbas and, and not him. Well, I think the the tradition is that that they were incited by the religious leaders. And, and, and the fact that most of the time Jesus spent out in the countryside, he wasn't a man, he often went off on, he, on his own to places. Now he was brought into the city, into Jerusalem, which would have been the stronghold of the Jewish leadership and where the Romans were. So I suppose his popular support would have been among the countryside. And at this stage now also, again, where we've moved on mm. to say Thursday, Thursday night, Gethsemane, Friday mm. morning. Where has disciples gone at this stage, his followers? Well, you see, Thursday night is the traditional Passover that every Jewish family would celebrate. And that Jesus sent the apostles to go find a place. They celebrated their meal together. And that's what happens. We celebrate tomorrow night. We'll have the, the Mass of the Lord's Supper. And... Um, but the reality is, is, I suppose they were weak. When, he, when they came and arrested him, the boys got affrighted their lives. They could see that they could be... His best friend betrayed him, said he'd never betray him, Peter. And yet, uh, he did. I suppose they got afraid. They were weak. And when they saw what was going on, they, 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 they ran. So they a headline could have been at the time that Peter denied knowing him. He denied us knowing him. Yeah. Interestingly, it was the women who stayed with him. Okay. So the women, in what way were they stronger? Well, they stayed at the cross when they crucified him. Uh, I'm sure some of the disciples were in the crowd at the back. Uh, but Mary, Mary Magla, they stayed with him all the time. When was it decided that it would be crucifixion, though? Whose call was that? Pontius Pilate? Pilate, yeah. He said, take him away, crucify him. He said, like, I suppose in the end, look, to the, will you sh- shut up about it? Just take him away. You know, um, it was part of their way. The Romans were ruthless. And, um, so there would have been reports at the time ahead of the crucifixion. There would have been horrific whipping, wasn't there? That all that kind of stuff went on as well. You know, and uh, they made an example of him. Then they mocked him because like, some of his claims, a lot of them couldn't hack this. You know, I'm a king. I'm son of God, you know. Send your angels, come down and save you, all this kind of stuff. Mocking so he was them. mocked. Yeah. yeah. Jerusalem would have been the centre, a huge kind of international centre where people from everywhere would come. And I, I suppose people love... Uh, it, it became 
you, you could say entertainment you know so the new, so so of course then that led to the crucifixion and the death mm-hmm. itself on good friday okay and then yeah. would the saturday have been very quiet quite after the Passover to, or after the meal. It was a quiet, a quiet day. They, like again, the tradition has, they took him away. Lots of people would wonder about that because this is gruesome stuff. They left the birds to pick on bodies, you know. Yeah. It was, historically, that's what they would have said. Um, but the story that was written was that this, um, was a Joseph of Arimathea came and they took him and they put him in the tomb. Right, okay. They laid him in his tomb. All went quiet. What do you think the reaction would have been um, on the Sunday morning then? How would people have reacted to nobody? Well, I said it was... Well, the, the, the tradition has also that, the, that um, it was the women and people who came to the tomb and found it. But they, they knew he had said something about it. But I'm sure they didn't believe it, you know. They didn't believe it. They, a lot of them thought that he was... Someone had taken the body or stolen the body or something. But they remembered, like he kept saying, after three days I will, I will rise and I will appear to you. So I'd say they were confused that they didn't... I'd say they were in shock, you know. Well, again, they were hiding as well because the, the Jewish leaders had persecuted him. They were part of his crowd. So he, they were afraid of their lives. They locked themselves into a room out of fear. Mm. They were terrified. Mm. Mm. It's but, astonishing, isn't it? It's an incredible uh, story. And I, I, it's funny, and uh, we were talking just earlier about the, like it, 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 there was so much politics in it. And I, I to laugh, the, the case is going on in New York at the moment. The politics is in it as well. Donald Trump says, I can't get a fair hearing in New York because... 99.9% are Democrats in New York. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Jesus had no chance in, um, in Jerusalem with the Jewish leaders. He had leaders. no chance, and, and those that were with him then, out of fear, deserted yeah. him. And all of this, like so much of our own history as a country, there's always mm. a spy in the camp. Although, again, I, I'm reticent to say that because I've been reading a lot that Judas actually wasn't the bad guy at all. You know, just, all. he wasn't. It was, it was yeah. nothing to do with him. Uh, but... but I, it's what's interesting at the moment is there's a lot of, of, of stuff being written and stuff uh, uh, looking at the historical facts and what we do know and um, and like I think being forensic about this isn't fair because I, it's not black and white just like that because yeah, yeah. It, 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 there was an oral tradition and they were trying to keep the church alive so that they made they, they had to have the story the Bible really like you know it was and it had to be true to the traditions that went back for centuries as yeah, well, yeah. because the Jews came from a very long line of, 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 of history and yeah. stories. And um, yeah. but it's a, it's a lovely week. I don't know. It's a sad week. I, Good Friday. I find it very trying mm, because it's there's enough a lot of misery around and, and sadness, and it's. I think it feeds into our own sadness at times. It does indeed. But I just wanted to mark the day because that was a fascinating day and the use of the term Spy Wednesday. So thanks for the historical narrative this morning. I do appreciate it, Tim, as always. And thank you very much for making it public and making it modern. I think there's a lovely take on, we kind of see it as something we learned in school, but like it was real, a real story. It was done in real time as well, day by day by day. Look after yourself. Happy Easter, Tim. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers for now. Father Tim Hayes. 
Fraser Wood down in Killa. Our lines will stay open. We'll jump back in after the break. But what I don't get to this morning, which I won't, we'll pick up in the morning. So be part of the conversation. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. My apologies. I didn't get to uh, Kevin Dunn and the High B in Mallow with the backstory to Ruben O'Connor's plane. But I will do that in the morning. It's an incredible story if you can remember it back in uh, April of 1983. Like he only had about three minutes of fuel left in the tank. And if he didn't land within those three minutes, we'd be having an entirely different conversation now. But he did. It was an incredible feat of aviation that he managed to land on Mallow Racecourse and spend weeks amongst those of Mallow who took them took him to their heart. So we'll deal with that uh, in the morning. My apologies. I wanted to do Spy Wednesday today for the day that's in it. So have a good Spy Wednesday, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.